Tune in to the Neil Prendeville Show weekdays from 9 a.m. on Cork's Red FM. It's not a front pager uh, because the front page, well, it is actually on uh, this morning's Echo. They talk about the rules lifting being welcomed on Lee side. They're calling it Freedom Day on Monday with almost all of the remaining COVID restrictions confirmed from next Monday. The kind of things that you'll see ending will be the end of uh, face coverings in schools and shops and workplaces and indeed on public transport. Uh, masks, and, you know, you'll have to wear them in, in, in healthcare settings for sure. But other than that, it's, uh, it's Freedom Day. And I see a chat with the uh, owner or co-owner of Soho on the front of the Echo today, uh, Sean McCarthy, good guy. He said, following a tough two years uh, for the industry, uh, it's a great decision and it's an optimistic time going forward as the rules will be lifted. Um, so there are those still saying, of course, if you feel more comfortable with a mask on, that's down to, to personal choice. But what did what did COVID cost us with regards to extra debt in this country? Well, the figure's been put at 33 billion euro for the last two years. That's what it cost, 33 billion. Actually, the star this morning drills into uh, a cost of 47,250 euro for every single person in the country when you divide it down. So our debt now as a country with that added 33 billion brings us to a quarter of a trillion now. 250 billion. Um, so that's an overall debt and it's a staggering amount of money that someone somewhere in generations to come will have to pay back. What are we Putin up with? Well, we're Putin up with Putin uh, and Ukraine. Uh, Joe Biden is saying that uh, Putin is twisted and that he's ready for bloodshed and that the invasion is underway that uh, Russian troops and tanks have swept in. And what's interesting in regard to that is they're saying more proof that uh, there's more to come is the fact that the Russian forces, according to the English Times this morning, have moved blood and medical supplies to the Ukrainian border in um, readiness for a full invasion. All the West, for want of a better term, is doing at this stage is sanctions. Um, But we're also going to get sanctioned. And how's that going to happen? Well, it'll be more increases yet again on gas bills because nearly 50% of our gas is coming from from Russia and they can turn that on and off whenever they want. So they're, they're, they're economic sanctions against Russia. Whereas we really will suffer with regards to fuel costs primarily that will be gas and petrol and, and diesel and things like that. But the Taoiseach is actually warning, forewarning, that um, whatever increases we've have al- had already, expect massive price hikes again uh, because the Russians will start pushing back against the sanctions that are being imposed upon them. So it's the beginning of a full Russian invasion of Ukraine, according to this morning's Independent. Here on Lee's side, and I'll have some more on this in a few minutes' time because Paul Byrne of Virgin Media News actually caught up yesterday uh, with Mary O'Halloran, uh, the 84-year-old sister of Jerry O'Halloran, the 79-year-old man who, with his sister Mary, were held at knife point and robbed of €1,800. Euro. Um, more on that in a, in a few minutes' time. But even the local, according to the uh, Indo today, Ralph Regal is saying, people are so incensed and it's such, such an, an abhorrent crime, if you like, that even local criminal elements are providing information and assistance to the Gardaí to track down the culprit. Now, the guards have an individual in mind, but at the moment they're having difficulties trying to track that person down. But Mary did say, and the Echo quotes it this morning, that she's praying hard that the man who held her and her brother captive at knife point would be apprehended before anybody else gets hurt. So more on that in a few minutes' time. You heard in the news with Lana... The inquest into the death of Connor King from Douglas in Cork fell into a blowhole, a 60-foot drop down into a blowhole in Garrettstown. His mother um, paid tribute uh, to his friends, and God, he had good friends, and uh, they made heroic efforts to try and save the lad. 
Um, the story is detailed in this morning's papers. Olivia Kelleher covered the inquest into Conor King's death. His friend Gary Barrett, who was a trained lifeguard, immediately went into the blowhole um, around about half past 11 on April 24th of last year. Um, and they were just having an innocent night. They pitched their tents and everything and lit a fire. And they were just hanging out like mates do. Unfortunately, Connor took a couple of steps back, not realising that he was close to the blowhole. So it's a lengthy inquest, but parts of it talk of uh, the fact that um, his buddy um, made uh, his way into the blowhole, performed CPR for 40 minutes. In fact, emergency services, when they arrived, had to, um, you know, try and coax him out of the blowhole because he didn't want to leave be lifted from the blowhole without his friend. Uh, the tragic story of the death of Conor King and indeed the heroic efforts of his friends, including Gary Barrett, um, were spoken about by Conor's mother where she said, I can't explain the love I have for ye and how well I wish ye in your future careers. It's a, it's a very, very tragic story. Wonderful lad, great friends and a great family. Um, the papers also this morning say, with regards to where we find ourselves now in the world that we live in, uh, more people are drinking harder than ever before. And the Independent says that four deaths a day now are due to alcohol-related illnesses and harms, and far too many hospital beds have been taken up by alcohol-related illnesses. Uh, but as the government takes more and more in tax, uh, more and more people are suffering. And we were talking about the amount of families that are just literally worried about feeding their kids, so much so that many families, well, uh, an ever-increasing amount of families, I should say, are, as fathers and mothers, eating less themselves so that their children can eat. And they're using food banks and the likes of penny dinners. But meanwhile, the government coffers continue uh, to grow with DOSH. I know we've got a massive debt in this, in this country now, but they raised and raked in €3 billion Euro more in extra VAT last year than in 2020. Um, you know, like surplus tax really should be given back, shouldn't it? If you're not expecting it and you get it, use it. Uh, I mean, you can see a story in the in the mail this morning. You know, the I don't want to drill into it too much, but you know, Ive House and trying to get on the UN Security Council and the uh, big party that they had, the impromptu champagne was more like sparkling wine or Prosecco, to be honest. Um, and they got into trouble and Simon Coveney got dragged into it. Apparently they spent, you know, when they were trying to get on and, uh, you know, trying to convince people that they should be on the UN Security Council. So they started doing a lot of marketing and buying gifts and stuff and including four and a half thousand euro worth of customized socks which they sent to um, America in a diplomatic bag, apparently. But they also spent other money. Um, they spent money then on things like €8,500 on 650 cups and €6,000 on 700 power banks. You know, those little power banks that can, you know, recharge your phone. They spent five and a half grand on 200 wooden pens. Wooden pens. Seven grand on lapel pins. Nearly three grand on umbrellas and 600 euro on pub glasses, and 700 euro on various selfie material cutouts so you could take a selfie yourself inside in a kind of a frame thing of a jigger. I give up. Uh, I mean, you know, I don't know whether it's just budgeted for in the first place that you need these kind of trinkets to convince people to vote for you or not. I don't know. It's a crackdown, though, online these days with regards to fake reviews. More and more companies now are faking the reviews about their products. And uh, Leo Varadkar wants to change that so that people can get a more honest appraisal of companies and what they do. But the latest Tinder swindler story makes the examiner today. And this is a Leaside story. The woman, uh, sorry, it's a Wexford woman called Bernie Darcy. Uh, she had an experience similar to the Tinder swindler where she was duped of €25,000, her life savings, into uh, a car and parts exporting business 
set up by her boyfriend between Ireland and his home country of Nigeria. And she gave him 25 grand. He ruined her life. Papers also on a light-hearted note of two very interesting stories with regards to the workplace. Bosses welcoming staff back aren't just welcoming the staff back. They're also welcoming the moaning back. So bosses have been told, brace yourself for a lot more moaning. Face-to-face moaning. Uh, when people go back to work. But as people work, right, particularly the trades, uh, apparently because they work with their hands, tradesmen, it doesn't say tradeswomen here, incidentally, it said tradesmen who work with their hands make better lovers, apparently. Particularly if you're a plasterer, right? If you're a plasterer, apparently you're the world's best lover by virtue of your profession. So plasterers are first, electricians come in second, folly be Mechanics, builders, and plumbers. Plumbers are fifth. I would have thought actually plumbers would have been number one. <laughs> but kind of like obvious reasons, but we'll say no more about that. <laughs> the Neil Prenderville Show. More on trades a little later on this morning. But just can I just turn back to something? You talk about the talented people, from tradespeople to people who can speak languages. Um, Mark showed me something this morning of a television reporter who went absolutely viral and apparently has won a slew of admirers, including an awful lot of women who fancy him, apparently, as he was reporting live from the Ukraine. That sounds straightforward enough, but think about doing your report in six different languages. Have a listen to this. There's been a war with Russian-backed forces in the east uh, the Donbass region for eight years now. But despite that, the capital city of Kiev is relatively calm. Thank you for making the Neil Prendeville Show the most listened to talk show in Cork again. Cork's Red FM. Fair play to you, lads. Somebody says none of Ireland's gas comes from Russia. 30% comes from the Carob gas field off Mayo and the rest comes from the UK. Somebody else picks up on that and says, where'd you get the information of Russia, uh, Russia gas being supplied to Ireland? We get our gas from Scotland. I could well have misheard it in one of those business reports this morning. Maybe it's the fact that 40% of Europe's gas, maybe, it comes from Russia. So if I'm wrong on that one, thanks for correcting me. Okay. But what is going on, though? Uh, I love hearing people's stories overseas, particularly with their own life story. And this is a particularly interesting one from Eugene O'Sullivan, who's a bantry man who's actually in Ukraine and has been back and forth there for uh, uh, the past 20 years. Joins me by phone. Eugene, good morning. 
morning, Neil. Might be nice a, to might, hear your voice. Yeah, might be a slight delay, but we'll drive on as best we can. The front pages of the papers this morning, Eugene. The beginning of full Russian invasion of the UK. Uh, Biden says Putin is ready for bloodshed. The West has imposed sanctions because uh, Biden says war is coming. When he says war, he's probably talking about combat war. What What's going on over there? Neil, what the West are listening to is American propaganda and propaganda from Europe. And uh, this reminds me of like a game of poker between the West and Russia. And Ukraine is the prize to be won between okay. them. Okay. Just drill into that. What, 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 why do you say we're being fed misinformation if the Russians are on the borders or in fact have gone in, yes. to, have actually gone into two areas of Ukraine already, Donetsk and Luhansk? But they have been in there since 2014. There's no difference. The only thing that has happened is that the Russian Federation have officially recognized Donetsk and Luhansk as being um, their territory, no. That's all that has changed. The Russians have been in there already, indirectly anyway. Right. So there's, it's, it's nothing new. It's just Western media. When I read the hype, you would actually think that there was bombs and everything dropping here. This place, it's the same as if I, if I was in Bantry or anywhere in Cork. Right, okay. Is there any apprehension or fear amongst Ukrainians? What's the mood music <laughs> like in Kiev? There, there can be, but I think the next move, what will happen, is um, it's not all of Donetsk. It, it is like a county of Cork, for example. It's only a third of Donetsk and Lugansk are occupied by Russia. Now, the Russian Federation did say that they're taking in, they're going to take in all of Lugansk and Donetsk, all of that province. Now, some of it's held by Ukrainian troops. So what will happen, I think, is Russia will give an ultimatum to the Ukrainian troops, or they'll give them a month, for for example, to get out of that area before we are going to take both of those counties officially. Right, right. Now, now you can call them counties. We call them counties in Ireland. Here they call them oblasts. So that's what I see is going to happen now. Maybe there will be an attack on Kiev. I don't know, but Kiev would be the most likely place as well if you were going to attack. But I don't think there would be any invasion of Ukraine. That's my own opinion. Why then are they saying in the papers this morning, the English Times is saying that they have moved blood and medical supplies to the Ukrainian border in readiness for a full invasion? Is that more propaganda? We, more propaganda. We don't know that. Last week, um, Biden said that Ukraine was going to be invaded last Wednesday. They had concrete information that it was going to happen. Nothing happened. I, every time I, I, I read the media, all I, all I just see is the first line is changed and it's the same uh, stuff I read last month. Yeah, Nothing yeah, has changed. Yeah. And, and uh, if you were listening in the media, you would actually think that Ukraine is a place to know where to go. In actual fact, there's no need for Russia actually to come in to invade Ukraine because the West have destroyed the Ukrainian economy. There are no planes hardly coming in here except, in fairness to Michael O'Leary, is landing here and we there. All the rest of them have pulled out. And, um, and why, why um, is it... Why no is it investment. Yeah, go on. Yeah, there's no investment coming in here. No, everybody is scared. And anybody who was in here has pulled out from the West that was going to invest in here. So there's no need to um, for Russia to come in. The economy is already destroyed. 
But why is what's in it for the likes of the Americans or indeed the UK to be uh, engaging in really, propaganda really, and turning up the heat? Yeah, I tell you what really happened. The whole thing really happened is because NATO, uh, Ukraine is looking to join NATO. Already, if we, if we go back a bit to the 90s when the Soviet Union collapsed or was dissolved in the 25th of December 1991, um, there was an agreement made that the following countries would not join NATO, starting from Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania, Poland, uh, Czech Republic, Slovakia, Hungary, Romania and Bulgaria. None of these countries were supposed to join NATO. And what happened? In the 90s, all these countries joined NATO. You have the Americans with cruise missiles in Romania and Poland facing Russia. Now, if Ukraine comes in to being a member of NATO, not will Russia have weapons outside their front door, they'll also have cruise missiles yeah. outside their back door yeah. as well. Yeah. So you can understand where the Russians are coming from. The ultimatum is, if, if Ukraine joins NATO, it will never happen. And the same goes for Georgia as well, which is further east. Any of these countries that will join NATO, they won't be joining because Russia will occupy them before it will happen. So how, how then can you say that um, Russia won't invade, that Putin won't invade and take over the whole of the Ukraine to stop Ukraine joining NATO? Should he doesn't have to because the next thing you will see, you could have civil war in this country quickly as well because you have an awful lot of pro-Russian people living in Ukraine. An awful lot of them. And these people, it's like Northern Ireland, you've unionists and you've nationalists. You have to be very, very careful, even in the building where I live here. There's so many pro-Russian people. You just have to be careful. So what's, 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 what's going to happen next now? Because I know that the West has imposed sanctions. Um, you say that the Ukrainian economy is shot to bits. And, but the sanctions they're imposing on, on the Russians, do you know what they actually are? Usually they'll be targeting top officials, etc. But just remember, sanctions don't work. Not on a country the size of Russia. Sanctions were imposed on Cuba during the missile crisis for over 60 years and they never worked. But what does it mean, a sanction? Does it mean that Russia sanctions, isn't allowed sanctions, to trade on international markets? Does it involve yes, finance? Not, they, won't, they won't be allowed to trade probably on, on a lot of financial things because you, you know yourself, you, all these rich uh, oligarchs that live both in Russia and Ukraine they could buy the county of Cork and still buy Kerry afterwards. But, of course, it will affect them a little bit. But I'm sure there have been sanctions. Look at North Korea. They're still surviving and they're sanctioned. And what's Putin saying about this? Are you following the, the Russian media? What yeah, are they I saying? Am, I, I do follow the Russian media. Uh, what Putin is saying, they can put all the sanctions. They're like, we don't care. We'll manage without them. But what is he saying that he wishes to do? He will not tell you what he's wishing to do. <laughs> he, he's, he, he's a genius that way. He's ex-KGB. He's not going to tell you his next move. So we just have to wait and see, is it? This is, a, as you, you called it in the introduction, a game of poker between two. That's what, that's what it actually is. And Ukraine is the prize what, of whatever will transpire. And what would, what would make this all go away? Is it that if Ukraine came out and said, no. we won't join NATO, the Russians will back off? Yes, and okay. also as well, these, these cruise missiles to be removed from Poland and to be removed from Romania. But the West are also pig ignorant. Wouldn't it be a lot better to go along with these um, demands, which are not a big thing afterwards, to avoid war? 
War, there's no winners in war, no matter okay. who. Okay, okay, okay. That would involve missiles and bombs. I don't know whether it would involve any on-the-ground yeah, combat. And the, same, the, same, the same would apply to the Russians, that they move back any cruise missiles they have and keep them east of Moscow. Okay, okay. What is it you do there? I know you married a Ukrainian girl. Uh, do you live there? Do you work there? Uh, yes, I, I'm always working every day. And um, um, I'll be back and forth. I hope to come back now around... Me. Okay, okay. Beautiful country? Yeah, beautiful country. Sun is shining here today, plus four degrees. What do you do, do you mind me asking, that, that takes you over and back? Yeah, I do, so, uh, I do a lot of engineering work. Building? No, 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 not building. In metalwork and fabrication. Okay, okay, gotcha, okay. So you're not you're not overduly concerned. You don't you're not in Kiev. You're about four no. or five hours from it. If you were to drive, is that right? East of it. Yeah, I'm five hours east of Kiev. Yeah, yeah. But you're you're staying paid and put and figure people are just getting on with their lives. Everybody's getting. On. You have to. What are you going to do? Yeah. Hold on there it's a second. All media hype. Yeah. All just media hype is what it is, Neil. Okay, well, let's see what John has to say on the matter. Because he, he, call, he calls Putin a thug. You can, you can come back on this if you want. John, good morning. Morning, Neil. And you have extended family in Russia, so pick up on this. No, in Ukraine. In Ukraine, my apologies. All yeah. right, okay. Yeah. Okay, who, yeah. who do you have in, in Ukraine, do you mind me asking? Oh, uh, uh, my partner's family. Okay, good man. Okay, and is she concerned? Uh, well, uh, they're, they're from Ternopil, you know, so which is uh, about uh, five, six hours drive from, from Kiev. And uh, so they're in the west. But uh, uh, everybody would have extended family out uh, towards the east as well, so they would be concerned. But, okay, okay. Uh, but Putin, Putin had a habit of giving uh, uh, people uh, in, in select areas Russian passports so that he always had... Uh, the excuse to, uh, to get into them areas like he done the same thing in Georgia uh, people who complained that uh, they were being victimised by Georgians and you see what happened in Georgia why should we be well. but why should we be concerned at all apart from fuel costs I understand that they're exorbitant and will continue to high but other than that no, why well, should we why should we care oh no you can't you can't let a guy like Putin be calling the shots uh, he, he learned his toggery when he was the bodyguard to the mayor of Moscow many decades ago. And uh, he's, he's, uh, <laughs> he's beefed up in it since then. You say he's worse this, than Stalin ever was? Oh, oh, yeah. Stalin didn't have the firepower that this guy has. And, he, and Stalin wasn't as conniving and as deceitful. So, so Stalin was dangerous, but Putin is two times more dangerous. Okay. Is, it, is, it a bit, is it a bit like Hitler and his activity, you know, in the oh, Sudetenland? Oh, Oh yeah, so you're you're looking at you're looking at the same thing. Tis my way or the highway. Yeah, just you know? t- just, but, but just you see, encroaching but, on other people's but, countries and and exiting. Yeah, them. but you see, uh, the the greatest kick in the balls that Putin ever got was when uh, Gorbachev broke up the fifteen republics. I know. Well, I don't know? want to drill into it in too much detail yeah. like that. But why should yeah. we care? Well, of course, we have to care. Well, well, well. Where does he want to stop? Uh, his good friend, though, he has, he has, he now has troops in Belarus with his friend Lukashenko. So, is Lukashenko going to get the odds to move on into Poland? Yeah, but why should we care? We have to care. You can't, you can't have people deciding that they're going to uh, load up and uh, go into a neighbor's uh, territory and set up camp there and say, "Well, this is it. Now we're taking this now." Now he started this at the Sochi Olympics uh, eight years ago. 
And uh, he's, he's goal now at the moment is he wants a piece of ground, you see, uh, between Donetsk down to Crimea. He but has apparently no there are areas, there are areas that, w- correct me if I'm wrong, Eugene, but there are areas that don't want to be part of Ukraine. Are they Russians? Are they Russians speaking, Eugene? There is all the east and all the south of Russia, or sorry, of Ukraine is Russian speaking. But listen, Ukraine is the author of their own downfall. All of this started in 2014. When I was coming here between 20, before 2014, the amount of Russian cars, the amount of Russian tours in Ukraine was unbelievable. Now you will never see a Russian registered car. And it all started with Yanukovych, who was the Ukrainian president in 2014. Uh, there was an EU trade agreement between Ukraine and the European Union to be signed, and Yanukovych decided not to sign it. Then a Western mob, a Western mob, then ousted him, and he fled to Russia. And I'm sure he's also behind the, 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 all of this as well, pulling the strings, saying, "No, I'll get back at you." Why are the Americans and Russians always so paranoid about each other? Can either of you tell me that? Well, Look, oh, that probably, that probably goes that, that probably goes back to McCarthyism when there was a red under every bed. Yeah, but why? Like, why is there this constant yeah, uh, uh, look, threat? Look, any, anywhere you look at where the Americans go, trouble follows. Just look at their record alone. Just look at Iraq. Just look at Libya. Look at what happened in Syria. Afghanistan. They're stuck with everyone in the world. Afghanistan, total mess. They walk over the place. Yeah, but but, it's all very well for you to say that. But somebody says by text here, the Bantry man, how would he feel, for instance, uh, of the consequences, say, if Britain just decided overnight to annex County Donegal? Yes, the same thing. Of course, and I, I, I feel sorry for any Ukrainian that is looking at pieces of their country being chopped off. It, it, it's 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 not a nice thing to have to look at, but then you must look at actually when, what actually when, happened. When 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 Putin got these guys, these separatists, to 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 start going into Luhansk and the Donetsk area and saying that they weren't Russian troops, that they were. The uh, patriotic uh, to, to Russia, yet they were all armed. They took down a plane with a book missile, which has been proven. So they don't care about uh, consequences okay. because they have Putin behind them, and 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 Putin is backed up by all the oligarch friends. And okay. This is what the sanctions. This is where the sanctions are going now. They hit these guys. To yeah, see hit the billionaires. Yeah. yeah, to see will they get Putin to say, "Listen, Vlad, you have to kind of cop on a bit here," but Putin's. Putin's push here is he needs a link, a land link between Donetsk and Crimea because he got into Crimea too quickly for his yeah. own good yeah. and there was, there was no land bridge. That's all very well, but I come back to the point. What does Mary on the north side care about that or Johnny and Douglas? Well, as, uh, as, 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 uh, well, as the text says to, from the guy of his inventory that if Donegal was the next in the morning by the Brits... Uh, how would we feel? And maybe they, they might decide to push on further down the country. All right. Okay. Thank you, John. Eugene, final word to you. Look, there's nothing to be worried about at the moment. That's okay. all I can say. Just at the moment. Okay. Okay. Appreciate that. I might stay in touch with you. Is that okay with you? <laughs> You're welcome, Neil, anytime. All right. Thank you, Eugene. Much obliged. Eugene O'Sullivan, about five hours east of uh, Kiev. Your thoughts are welcome on that text 0868104106. If President Trump farted in the bathtub on a Monday night, you would have been talking about it on Tuesday morning. Yet Biden continues to get a free ride. How did he get on in Afghanistan? Is it a free country now or is it under the heel of the Taliban? 
Let's not be naive about Ukraine. It's a cesspit of corruption that Joe Biden and his family have been up to their necks in for years. Is it a coincidence that Ukraine is investigating links between Biden and their disgraced president? Uh, no, forget all that. Putin bad. Um, and of course, Biden good, says Richie and Toker. While I'm no lover of Russia and Putin, can I just say that we in the West have and always will be fed a one-sided story. I imagine the truth is somewhere in the middle between the West and the narrative. Just go back to September 11th. We were told every day with 100% accuracy that Iraq had weapons of mass destruction. But top brass in America knew there was no such thing. They just needed the excuse because of oil. The Americans went into Iraq under a false flag, killed innocent men and women and children. They blew these poor people to bits. Then America put in construction companies and all the money that was taken from the poor Iraqi people. We in the West hear very little about this. I was born and reared here in Cork. How can we verify if there are 200,000 troops on the Ukrainian border? The Irish people have now seen RTE as officially our government's mouthpiece. I pray for peace, but I dislike lies. We've been lied to in this country since the foundation of the state. We need a way to be able to verify facts and not just believe things because we've been brainwashed into believing them. The thing is, we only ever hear one side of any given agenda, says Pat by text. Oh, it's six eight one zero four one zero six. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Tweet the show at Neil Red FM. 104 to 106 Red FM. Yes, indeedy. Just listen to your callers over the past couple of days. It's sad to hear these views still live and breathe in modern-day Ireland. Uh, this has nothing to do with religion, more about power and oil. Uh, hearing Khan on the air recently romanticizing about Putin and his religious beliefs reminds me how much we have to educate and help people understand other points of view. At the end of the day, people's lives are at stake here. Um, in the name of power and greed, I would have thought that we, the Irish, would understand more than most how vulnerable the people of Ukraine are right now. Love listening to the show, says Dave. Well, I suppose I was asking the question, why should we care? Let me put that point, actually, to Jerry. Jerry, good morning. Hello. It's more about gas and oil prices, is it? Do you hear me, Jerry? Hello. Oh, sorry. Uh, sorry. Uh, just like the radio's confused. Sorry, um yeah, yeah, turn it down, turn it down, pal, turn it down. Okay, okay. I think... Uh, you got it off? Yeah, um, yeah, we were discussing this yesterday myself and Pat there, apparently. I totally agree with that text, you know, that it is a pathway to, to, to Armageddon. The powers of principalities are controlling this banner. But anyway, Ukraine, um, the Ukraine... Uh, Putin has total control over the oil and, 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 and gas network coming into Europe, you know. Well, yeah, that's the big yeah. problem here, and that's why the Taoiseach is warning yeah. again that whatever increases we've had, there'll even be more to come. There may be opportunities for profiteering, incidentally, but uh, whatever happens, things are going to get dearer. The profiteering, I think, is old school. The, yeah. the, new honey, the new honey in the pot now, as far as I'm concerned, is data, data. Yeah. You know, the, that's, the, that's the honey in the beehive for the powers and principalities. Um, but anyway, they're down in West Cork. The, 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 the followers were, were, were a joke, a complete joke, hunting them out. They're there and they're, they're, they're monitoring Ireland and they could take this country captive. Russia? Yeah. Uh, that's they a step could. too far now. That's well, they could, I mean, like. They no. could. It's very possible Putin is a psychopath. And that a and psychopath would see Ireland as a handy prize to have on Western yeah. Europe. Why not? Why not? Yeah. Trade very carefully with this Putin, man. Okay? 
That's all I have to say. Okay. Okay. Thank Interesting. You. Thank you. Text 0868-104-106. Pick up the phone on a new number 0818-104-106. lot of texts on this, incidentally. Won't it make oil prices go up further? Yes, it will. The man is wrong. Ukraine is a sovereign country. So it's all right for Russia to come in and take two complete regions of the Ukraine. Ukraine's a country rich in minerals, Neil. I know, I read them all out yesterday. That man is not telling the whole story from Ukraine. Putin is a complete lunatic and has been one for years. Uh, in light of the possibility of all-out war between Russia and the West, um, well, why include us in this? Uh, we've no skin in the game apart from, uh, well, oil and gas prices. Shouldn't we take time to give thanks to the Irish Defence Forces who have decided to tackle the looming Russian threat by making its frontline infantry units more gender-balanced and racially diverse? If gender balancing doesn't save us, then surely the rule of army recruits not having to do more than 27 push-ups in any 24-hour period will surely do the trick. It's an interesting take on things. Uh, the Russian president had a press conference yesterday to answer your question, Neil, and he said he acknowledges and respects the independence of all foreign Soviet republics, but not Ukraine, because it is a country occupied by foreign powers. So as usual, Putin... Uh, he does not agree that Ukraine is another country, and that for me is a worry. But if he doesn't see it as another independent country and he sees it as Russian, then we have a problem, I suppose, for the rest of the Ukraine as well. So keep those coming. Text 0868 106. You can always email neil at uh, redfm.ie and we'll come back to it throughout the course of the morning. Incidentally, we also have another great giveaway today for you, courtesy of ourselves and Trabalgan, and I'll be drilling into an awful lot more calls and wonderful emails from people who got in touch. Every day this week we're giving away, we gave away two yesterday incidentally, we're giving away three nights self-catering weekend breaks for the weekend of the 1st of April for families of frontline workers. Now I don't necessarily just mean people working uh, in hospital settings or medics. Uh, I'm talking about anybody who went above and beyond in recognition of all frontline workers over the past two years. So if you want to get involved in that and tell a story, you can text on that as well. Text 086-8104-106 or email neil at redfm.ie. And I'll start into those after 11 this morning. Ross, good morning. Well, yes. Uh, your wife is in Donetsk or very near it? No, is no. It? From, from there? She's from, yeah, 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 yeah. And okay. her, her family are still there. Okay. That's my, my family-in-law. Is she keeping, um, a, are you keeping a close eye then on what's happening there? Yeah, I'm, I'm actually, uh, Vassano, he's, uh, he's my sister, my, my sister-in-law's husband. Okay. Um, he is now, he retired. He was, um, he was a part of the, uh, US Star Army. Uh, he was, a uh, a pilot in the fire planes. No, he's retired now, but he, he's, like, everything about the next and uh, the Lugansk and all the war tanks and all bombs are, there's nothing there. Nothing. There's no bombs or anything there. You know, there's nothing going on there. But the Russians um, are there, though, aren't they? And they weren't there a couple of weeks ago. They've been there for the last, since 2014. So all he's done is he's recognised them as independent territories. Is it? Yeah, but that's 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 exactly what they were. They 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 want to become ever since two thousand and six. Um, they want to become independent themselves, right? So all they, this talk then now of Joe Biden on the front of the papers, and I see Michal Martin's getting involved in it. Clearly, um, um, uh, the British are, are talking about war, all-out war. No, this wait, is wait, the wait, beginning wait, no, wait, of a full wait. Russian invasion. There's, there's more than that to be. Did. No, I tell you what the whole story is, right? Um, the last president of Ukraine, he was a general, right? Um, in 2017. 
uh, he sold the rights and land to Russian, to American um, oil, oil, they were oil barons, right? Mm. They were private. They were, they weren't, they weren't, they were private boys, right? And he, he had no right to sell it. It isn't his land to sell. Mm. It's belonged to Ukraine, not him. And he sold it. So he's a crook. And then. all right, he's a crook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, so but, a year but later, is, is, Putin, year is Putin a crook or is Biden a crook? Which one of them? Both of them? Either of them? Any of them? Biden. Biden is the greatest crook ever going. Um, he's he he's oh he's 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 just taking uh, he's he's been told what to do, and that is from uh, something called Rothschild. No, it's it's going a bit far to the. Why, you, but why, the, why, why then aren't you anyway critical of Putin? Because all, all Putin wants to do is sell the oil he has on his land, and that, that he doesn't want anybody coming in, butting in on his, on his shoulders, because he knows if, he, if they come in, they want what Putin has. Putin is supplying over half the world with oil, right? And gas. But nobody no. is saying that he has to stop and nobody's been refusing to take any of that. They're just telling him, would you ever leave that country alone and mind your own business? No, 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 no. Right. As I told you, the, 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 uh, the American, Americans go over to uh, bought land and, uh, and rights to drill oil out of Ukraine, right? Back in 2017. Yeah. None, of, Putin, none of Putin's on. business, though? None of his yeah, business? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, you know, when the new president came on, Zygansky, um, um, he came on, and uh, he they, they they started sailing their their um, um, well the oil, all the oil stuff stuff to drill the oil out uh, of the Black Sea. The Americans did, and uh, they entered Ukraine again. So then, the president of the, the new president of Ukraine came on. And he said, "Where are you going, lads?" They said, "Oh, we bought land up here." No, no, no. You can't buy that land. That land is not for sale. Yeah, but then we, should, should, so we should have a problem them, with they, Ukraine, listen, not they Russia. Showed, they showed them the papers then, and they were false papers that they had. So they, he told them, get, get back your ships, don't sail away back here. You came from first day. They came back then, and uh, they went to Trump and told Trump voters. Trump told them, that's your own false land. <laughs> not to me. So then when Biden came in, then they went to Biden, and they told Biden, no. No words of ball, no, you know. And so Biden kept, he wants the Ukraine. Now, that's when, um, going back in 2017, when, uh, no, 2018, when um, the, 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 the Germans, the Germans, the, the French, um, and Italians came under Navy ships up to Ukraine, and they stopped in Ukraine and they, they, were, they were asking the farmers to sell it down to them, right? Yeah, but and the farmers said no. So automatically then, there was a, a, there was a bit of Hasselbrook out there. Putin came down like a hot snake. Um, he got them all to move back and move out. And uh, they, they went. They, they weren't going to Putin. And Putin stayed on the, on the, on the shores of the, of the Black Sea for two weeks. And they see he put all his army back, in, back into... Yeah, but there's 100,000 yeah, of them either across the border or on the border. And an invasion is on the way, or at least that's what we've been told. Tra- tanks have swept in. You see, what we're being told, and what the truth is, is completely... And what are your pals telling you? What are your family members telling you over there? They're telling me to the wind. They're not wrong with this. Just the same as normal. 
So that I'm over. I mean, like, I'm, I'm hearing that from them, and I'm hearing the, the opposite thing from America, blah, blah, blah. I'm telling, like, right, I'm hearing the truth over there. I'm hearing a lot of bullcrap from okay. on a lot okay. of... So what, the, what, what, what everybody else is engaging in, then, is propaganda, misinformation, and fake news. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Okay. All right. Okay, my man, thank you for that, Ross. Keep those calls coming. Pick up the phone, 0818 Back after the break. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now on the new number, 0818-104-106. Meanwhile, here on Side, following the awful attack and uh, robbery and assault of a brother and sister on February 13th on Boyce Street, uh, the papers this morning are updating us with regards to the Gardaí who are following a definite line of inquiry uh, into uh, the aggravated burglary because there was a knife involved in this elderly Cork brother and sister 1,800 euro stolen at knife point. Now, local criminals are even helping Gardaí on this one. Theirs find it as apparent as the rest of us. Even the criminals are involved in trying to find this guy. And the Gardaí apparently have an individual that they wish to speak with and are actively searching and looking for that person. But I just want to update on this with regards to uh, Mary and Jerry. And Paul Byrne yesterday, as part of the Virgin Media News reports, uh, was with Mary O'Halloran and spent some time with her. Uh, I want to play his audio and come back to it after that because I want to put an appeal out there for one aspect of Mary's life for sure that we may well be able to hear a helper with. So have a listen to this, Paul Byrne and Mary O'Halloran from yesterday's Virgin Media News. Nine days on from the attack, 83-year-old Mary is still extremely upset. It is hurting me, ma. I don't want to think of it anymore. No. On a visit to her brother's house in Boyce Street today, where she and 79-year-old Jerry were held at knife point and robbed, she said all she wants now is a new home for her brother. He's a frightened. That's why. That's important to me. If he do get a house, I'd be, I'd be delighted for him. No. The brother and sister were taken to hospital following the frightening ordeal. Jerry remains in hospital. The lone man masked raider who got away with eighteen hundred euro in cash remains at large. Yeah, he sh- he should be arrested and should be found. No, it's our lives. Campaigner for the elderly Paddy O'Brien said the wheels are in motion to get Jerry somewhere else to live. Hopefully, in, hopefully in the next week or so he'll be contacted and uh, a location will be discussed with him. In the meantime, Mary continues to travel from her home on the south side of the city to the orthopaedic hospital on the north side of Cork, where she visits her brother as often as possible. Investigating detectives here at Gronerbrohar Garda Station have identified a person of interest, but they have so far been unable to trace his whereabouts. In the meantime, they're continuing to appeal to anyone with information about the incident to make contact. Paul Byrne, Virgin Media News, Cork. And that was yesterday's report, and part of that interested me, and I was chatting with Paul Byrne about it yesterday, and that is her... Uh, her trips from the south side of Cork to the orthopaedic hospital and back. She takes those trips, Mary, by taxi. So that's got to be expensive if she's got regular checkups and you know medical needs that need to be met at the orthopaedic. She has to pay for those taxis up and down. I just thought that it might be a good idea to see if there might be a taxi company out there 
that might accommodate Mary O'Halloran free of charge on her trips up from the south side to the orthopaedic and back to her home again. Because that's got to be, um, wouldn't, that would be, a, would that be a 15 euro trip each way? It's a fair old distance. So it could be anything between 25 and 30 euro round trip every single time. So I think it would be a nice thing, um, rather than individual taxi drivers, or if a taxi driver wants to say, I'll do it and I'll do all of them, that's fine by me. But would it make sense really if there was a taxi company that would actually call in and say, look, we'll pick up the fair price on that. We'll bring Mary to and from the orthopedic whenever she needs to go. We'll assign a driver. We'll give her the number to call and we'll look after it. I think that would be lovely if that was possible. And I'm putting that appeal out there now. If there would be a taxi company in Cork that might just take over this job um, and just bring Mary up and down free gratis and for nothing because, you know, they've lost their entire life savings. Um, 800 euro um, of Jerry's money and a thousand euro of of Mary's money. Now, I know people were very kind and very generous, but I think this would make her feel a little bit better, maybe a little bit safer in the knowledge that people still care and will continue to care. So have a think about that, particularly if it's a taxi company that might be listening right now might say, OK, look, we're going to look after her taxi to and from the uh, the orthopedic. We're going to give her a number to call every time she needs to go. And we're not going to charge her. So have a think about that, lads, if possible. And come back to me and let me know if any of you uh, are in a position to help in that regard. Okay? Uh, text on that one if you wish. Text 0868 104 We'll pick it up after uh, 10 this morning. Lots to do. Um, also, <coughs> there was... Um, yeah, I'll, I'll pick it up after, after 10 this morning. But there was a very interesting uh, um, tweet put up there recently with regards to uh, kids who automatically go to college because it seems to be the thing to do. And nobody thinks about the great money, great lives and great travel and the fact that you'll never have a dull day or an idle day if you instead go for an apprenticeship and decide to pick up a trade. All that and lots more besides after 10. Hey, it's Dave. Join me weekdays from four for Dave Max Drive where I'll help get you home or give you a little lift at home. Big hits, loads of fun features and traffic info. What more could you need? Join me weekdays from four. Dave Max Drive. 104 to 106 Red FM This is the Neil Frienderville Show I was chatting with uh, a couple of stories on air again recently with regards to who is responsible when a person is either outside or put outside or goes outside a nightclub Anyway, the point being when they've had an awful lot of alcohol to drink does the responsibility of the club then cease when they leave It is the responsibility of the person who is drinking to drink responsibly It's not the responsibility of the premises to babysit drunk people. Remember, there are three sides to every story. The customers, the nightclubs and the truth. If a pub was to call the Gardaí each time someone was drunk, the Gardaí would not be happy. Uh, Neil, pubs aren't babysitters. Uh, People should look after themselves. um, Or indeed, um, if it's your son or daughter, you should come and look after them. Well, assuming that they have the cop on to phone a mother or father. Don't give out my details, but a few weeks ago I was in a well-known club in Cork. I was after a few drinks but was not intoxicated. I'd been in this club once before and needed to go to the bathroom quite badly as we had been queuing for a very long time to get in to the club. I went into the men's bathroom after accidentally following another girl, I didn't know, who made the same mistake. Before I could turn around and leave, I was being dragged out by a female bouncer. I'm very petite, quite thin, and this bouncer was squeezing my arm and dragging me out of there. I tried to explain to her that it was a genuine mistake and that it was an error, but she dragged us out the door and slammed the back door on my face. The other girl had to go back in to get her phone and I was left there on the street on my own. 
there was a group of very rough boys waiting out the back who came circling around me and I genuinely feared for my life. I called my boyfriend who was inside who ran down and I met him at the front door. It was a genuine mistake, which I definitely won't make again. But I think being physically dragged out and left on the street on my own is nothing short of ridiculous. It sounds to me as if it's a way over the top reaction. Um, This is rubbish. People should be responsible for themselves. Full stop. The pubs and bars don't have responsibility for your actions. If you get drunk, it's your decision. They are not babysitters. Uh, The mother you had on air needs to deal with her daughter's real issues and stop trying to blame external factors. Her daughter was thrown out for a reason and then had to call someone to collect her. It's not up to the doorman or doorman to soothe her outside. And it's not up to a taxi driver either. This type of person uh, who would be on the radio giving out if her daughter wasn't let into a pub in the first place. All right, well, you know, it was a very worrying and alarming situation. Her daughter actually uh, was contemplating jumping into the river, if you recall the conversation I had. But I wanted to kind of drill in a little bit uh, as to what bottomless brunches are about, you know, because her daughter and a bunch of friends had been at a bottomless brunch. Um, a bottomless brunch is where you pay X amount of money. I don't know. Is it 40 euro, 50 euro? Could be anything about that. And apparently um, you have a, a time limit then where you're eating food and drinking alcohol. But I was asking the question, is a bottomless brunch unlimited drink? And I was told that it is, yeah, but usually it's a specific drink for a limited amount of time. Like, for instance, you would have one and a half hours to drink unlimited quantities of Prosecco, for instance, you get out, you'd be out of your mind drinking unlimited quantities of Prosecco or sparkling wine or any kind of wine or champagne out of your mind. Uh, But apparently that's what it is. So that's why people get quite drunk um, uh, at uh, bottomless brunches. And if you go on to a club or continuing drinking after them, you know, you know the mayhem that will unfold after that. So lots of texts on that. I'll come back to them and calls after the break. The Neil Prenderville Show on Twitter at Neil Red FM. Okay, back to text in a few minutes time, but I was mentioning earlier this morning that bosses will be welcoming staff back to the offices, will be welcoming a lot more than just the staff. They need to brace themselves for a lot more moaning. The research is out now saying what are the biggest gripes of people going back into the office? Apparently, it's colleagues talking too loudly. Uh, they're just too loud. You know, people aren't used to it because they've been working from home and a lot of silence at home, I suppose. So co-workers work at working too close too loudly, coughing too much without covering their mouth. These are the top three gripes, apparently, with workers going back into the workplace, the gripes of the modern world. But talking about the modern world, I was talking about this yesterday, and I wanted to pick up on it because um, remote working will remain, of course. They co- what, there are all these terms being used now. Blended working, hybrid working, hubs, hot desks, flexible working. People have been doing this uh, for a number of years now and are well ahead of the posse with regards to uh, hubs and hot desks and, you know, issues like that or the Republic of Works on the Mall. I recently did a television program down there in one of their studio facilities and it was incredible. I got a tour of the whole building. Lots of people working away in little groups and what have you. But I wanted to drill into it a little bit more and I'm joined by Frank Brennan, the CEO of Republic of Works. Frank, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? Good, my man. What's flexible working and hubs and hot desks and hybrid working? What's it all about? Well, it's the, the future of work. Um, do you know what? I suppose COVID has taught us an awful lot of things. Um, we had a, a very challenging two years for the last two years, like everybody in business. But it kind of made us realise that, look, we can work from home, but 
we're kind of sick of it. Um, <laughs> people are sick of the, the spare room or the kitchen table. or The, the utility room is gone now. People are not looking at utility <laughs> rooms anymore. They're looking at what was an utility room is now an office, I think. <laughs> exactly, yeah. I, I, do you know what? I, I had one of those myself. I, I have a one and a half year old baby there. She got kicked out and uh, I took the spare room from my own home office. But, do you know what? Look, you're, you're dead right. People people are kind of getting fed up of it. Um, and what we've done in Republic of Work, I suppose, look, we're a space where where the people are actually associating us, associating us with kind of the third space between the office and the home. Yeah, you know, yeah, uh, yeah. the ability to land in Republic of Work, connect to super fast Wi-Fi, have the ability to get your coffee, have your desk, but not only that, be connected into a, a kind of community where you're actually meeting people and engaging with different types of people as well, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I know the state wants to get involved in this because they're talking about uh, building and opening nearly 200 working hubs. What's a working hub, you know, that they're, they're talking about? Because there's when, private ones and these ones will be public. Yeah. Now, look, that's like that 200 number that you're actually talking about, right? There are actually 200 hubs that currently exist. Um, so that's the connected hubs network. Um, so in in, in, in county towns, is it where people can go in? Very much so, yeah. Okay. So they're all over the country. Um, every nook and cranny now, there's, there's a, a digital hub kind of popping up. And what it means is that they have super fast connection uh, to the Wi-Fi. They have desk space where you can go in and work, but more so that there's a community where you can actually kind of land, engage with, and, and where you can actually call a... a, a call the space your own office space okay. you know what I mean? and do you pay do you rent that by the day then yeah so well for us I suppose look everybody is, is, is kind of different in the space but for a public work in particular we offer a very flexible offering we offer a 30 day rolling contract um, so we charge as little as kind of 25 quid a day right up to 400 quid per month for your kind of fixed office space what do you get for that you get a desk and wifi is it Ah, come on. <laughs> You've seen the space, Neil. You know the story. It's, I, it's absolutely I said, well, I said, There's a fabulous big lounge area there that's very yeah, cool yeah. and cash and funky. People are hanging out. When I was in there, it was in the middle of COVID, but it was buzzing. Yeah, yeah. Look, we just went through a massive renovation. You know, we've, we've about 15,500 square feet, so that's kind of stretched out over three floors here on the Mall. Um, and we've anything from our business lounge, our grow room, which is this beautiful suite where we're getting a lot of business from, like bigger companies coming in to do offsites and strategy sessions. Um, we've just completed um, a, a new build on our broadcasting suite. So you mentioned it earlier. We've got like all these new terminologies and like you've got hybrid and you've got blended. Well, what we've done is we've built a broadcasting studio so you can actually do a blended event and what that is is where you can have 40 people in real life imagine that um, in person in our broadcasting suite a panel on stage and then having that big screen behind you which are 150 200 people on that online audience so you have that blended event um, we have meeting rooms we have uh, hot desks dedicated desks and we have private offices as and well. what kind of businesses just drill into the people that are using it what businesses do they have and operate in? Is it a digital tech world they're in or what? Yeah, look, it's, it's actually very mixed and I think COVID played an awful lot into that. Now, predominantly when we first kicked off it was very tech focused. We've kind of got big companies like SOSB, so that would be Sean O'Sullivan, the, the VC. We've got Digisoft, Opinion Root. They're all very big kind of tech companies within the space. Um, but we've got all the freelancers, anybody in marketing, that digital media space. 
um, right up to hardcore developers. Um, we've got accountants. We have a partnered lawyer here, uh, Cunningham solicitors. You know, there's 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 a very very big mix of people here. And they must find it. I mean, it must be very cost efficient to them, is it? By par- comparison to rental of a building or a complete office. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I suppose. Look, you have one bill. Um, it's a 30 day every day like every 30 days are built um, we have the meeting rooms we have credits that people can avail of to, to use the free facilities there's free Nespresso coffee you don't have any Wi-Fi bills oh hang on a second you say the coffee's free included in the price unlimited bottomless unlimited. coffee <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's why you saw such a good buzz inside here yeah, yeah. any, any kind of free bickies going with that <laughs> yeah and, and, and I have to mention we do have free Barry's tea as well <laughs> <laughs> All thrown in for the one great price. And I suppose people want yeah. to connect with other human beings too, don't they? They may not work with them or alongside them, but it's good to be near, isn't it? It's good to interact. 100%. Like, I was listening there earlier on, you were saying the gripes that people are having. Like, um, Do you know what, Republic Work? We're, we're not a library, so you can come in and make as much time <laughs> as you like, because it's a place of work. Yeah. Um, but that's dead right. Like, people love mixing with people. Um, and there's the reason we put in that, that beautiful lounge on the third floor here is so that people can actually chat to each other. Yeah, um, that yeah. water cooler conversation, those coffee chats, they're so important. And, and look, Cork is small. Cork is a city, but it's a small town. But, um, and and does it, like, what age profile then would be using hubs and hot desks and, and things like that? Is it, is it a younger person's game? Not necessarily. I mean, look, we have, I, I'm, I'm just thinking, right, going through the room there, um, we have a member... He's 19 years of age. He's 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 in stealth mode at the moment. He's he's he's, he's working on a startup. The guy's really what is stealth mode? Is that early days? Incognito. He's hiding. <laughs> <laughs> he's not publicising this information yet. Um, but he's building the most amazing technology at 19 years of age, and he's just after uh, raising nearly half a million euros. Um, Fair play. And I believe to. he's actually across in San Francisco at the moment. So he's 19, and then we've got everybody up the whole way up to I think one of our oldest members was about 77 fair play fair play embracing the changing environment and the new world absolutely yeah yeah it's a great story isn't it I mean it's just fantastic and do you intend to just continue to grow that's the plan I mean look we were at 96% um, occupancy before COVID, we went down as far as twenty percent, right down that low, and we've we've actually bounced back thankfully. That must have been um, a, that must have been a scary time at twenty percent, uh, hanging on literally. Terrifying, <laughs> absolutely <laughs> terrifying. Um, but you know what? I suppose there was some small bit of hope in that everybody was going through the whole COVID. Yeah, thing, you know, I know what I mean. I know, um, I know. But also, I suppose with the supports of the likes of Enterprise Ireland. Um, the support from Dan and Linda Kiley, who actually came on as investors, Great couple, uh, the yeah. original co-founder Dan or uh, Dave Ronane, um, with those supports, it kind of we were able to steady the ship and, and, and keep it going in the right direction. So, if somebody wanted um, to engage with Republic of Works, get a desk, sign up for a day, can they just like you say that there's a monthly rolling one for thirty days? But uh, how, how do they go about all of that? Well, in fact, we actually have our birthday week coming up in it's the week ending of the 1st of April. Um, so we'll have a full week of events and activities. 
we'll um, we'll actually have three co-working days throughout that week. So if you want to come in the end of next month, by all means. But if you want to get in touch, um, just jump onto the website and you can book a tour with Sarah and Sarah will, will happily show you around the space. Okay, so Google Republic of Works online and off you go in the new world we're living in. Frank, great to catch up and congratulations on a super idea. It may go, continue to go from strength to strength. Thanks so much. Thanks a million, Neil. All right. Take care. Frank Brennan, CEO of Republic of Works. I had a tour there myself and did some work in there a couple of months back. And I thought, wow, Uh, I I thought I was in, I don't know, I thought I was in Silicon Valley, to be quite honest. It was fantastic. Uh, Back after the break. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Where? Red FM. Young people, um, well, people, but I'm hearing a lot more about young people being um, ejected uh, from a bar or a nightclub in an awful condition and being left to their own devices. Just back to that one. If bar staff serve a drink, a person a drink in Australia after they've had enough or too much, uh, then not only is the premises fined, but the individual staff member responsible for serving too much alcohol is also fined out of their own pocket. There is zero tolerance in Australia. There are water fountains at every bar and staff regularly hand out glasses of water. Also, you can't work in a bar there without taking an RSA course. It's the responsible service of alcohol. Mary says, wasn't there a case in North Cork years ago when a man crashed his car after drink and ended up in a wheelchair? He sued the publican successfully, says Mary. Yeah, you are right. Well, nearly 99 points right in the sense that, yeah, there was. Uh, that was that case was compounded by the fact that the pub um, actually drove the man uh, back to his car, which was over, I think, uh, it might have been over at Mallow Racecourse, I think, and he got into his car there and drove it and crashed and ended up in a wheelchair. Yes, and there was a case taken. It was settled out of court, though, um, and I think it was important to have it settled out of court, they said at the time, because if it went into full court and there had been a verdict handing down, you know, it would have changed the law and many, many publicans would have found themselves in an awful lot of hot water. So it was settled out of court, that one. That was some years ago. That was easily... 20 years ago, maybe longer ago. Uh, The reason that there's violence in Cork City is that it is awash with heroin and cocaine. That is the root of the problem. The guards are only interested in giving out fines and parking tickets. They're not interested in keeping the people of Cork safe, says Mary, which again is a fairly broad sweeping statement to make against all guardie. I do security. Once ejected from a premises, you are on public property and security are not insured to deal with people or incidents outside the venue. I'm not arguing that point with you. I'm saying the fact that they were ejected at all and being left to their own devices very drunk is the worry. Um, uh, for God's sake, Neil, you'll see more traffic wardens in Cork City Centre than you ever will Gardaí. Morning, my Gardaí and her, my daughter and her friends do prinks. Prinking is pre-drinking. Uh, before they go out now as they feel it's safer with all of the spiking going on and they're in their 20s. Yes, uh, you know, prinks or pre-drinks is, is very normal now where people gather in one of their homes and have drink and then go out. Uh, maybe they do all of the drinking in the home and then just go out to dance. Um, at the weekend, clubs are really quiet. What will happen now is clubs will close for good and then they'll be giving out about that too. Why can't people just behave when they're out? I'm not so sure the clubs are quiet. I think everywhere's rocking at the moment. You asked about bottomless brunches. You have a set menu of food and Prosecco. The bottomless brunch is for a set time. It's usually between 90 minutes and two hours. You can ask for top-ups of Prosecco during that period of time. 90 minutes, 
to two hours. Uh, and Mike says, that's not a job for door staff. Once you're off the premises, it's your own personal responsibility, says he. So thanks for those. Keep those texts coming. Text 86 106 I mentioned earlier on this morning uh, about apprenticeships versus going to, to college. Uh, Ken O'Connell is an electrician himself. He's got his own business. And he posts regularly uh, videos on uh, on Twitter. And they're very informative. And one came to my attention when he was talking about the life path of young people. Uh, and it seems to be all too often that college is the only option. And he was saying, for God's sake, if you have a son or a daughter that ever approaches you and wants to do an apprenticeship, would you ever encourage them? And don't be talking them out of it. And uh, Ken joins me by phone. Ken, good morning. Morning, Neil. How are you? Fair play to you, boy. You make an awful lot of sense. Um, do you think? Do you think that way too often people or parents look at college as being some sort of a status symbol? Is it? Yeah, absolutely, Neil. There's just a, look. There's a huge snobbery around this. You know, um, it seems like the be all and end all is just whatever happens, your son and daughter must go to college. And all I'm saying is that that's not the be all and end all. That apprenticeships are a fantastic route for a career. You know, um, and that's all I'm trying to say. I'm just trying to encourage kids to look at the apprenticeship route and, and parents to encourage them and teachers to encourage them. We need more tradespeople, male and female. Um, there's huge work there available and we just need to encourage people to do trades. College yeah. isn't the island in the yeah, I mean, and there's, there's, there's excellent money to be made, isn't there? And you'll never have a... If you're good at it, you'll, you'll never have a lean day. No, Neil, any good tradesperson I know will, will always be busy. Even during the last recession, I said that in the video, all the good tradespeople I knew, they all worked all the way through it. Um, you'll, you'll never have a lean dead there's a great saying you'll have a job for you'll have a job for life and plenty of money with an apprenticeship and I, I believe it like you know we okay. work 24 hours a day 7 days a week yeah so you know you're an, an electrician and you went through and served your time as an apprentice as an example is that what is that 3-4 years apprenticeship talk me through that what kind of money so you make for the electrical it's a 4 year apprenticeship Neil um, and that's what I what I would have done. I just I, after that I went out on my own. I'm it's my 18th year in business now, but so it was a long time ago. But yeah, it's a four year apprenticeship, Neil. Um, you have to find an employer to train you. Um, and once you find your employer, then you just need to make sure that they're registered with Solus, that they're registered to train apprentices. Um, Money wise, I suppose when you qualify as an electrician and plumbing would be similar. Now those ones I kind of know most about. Yeah, they'd be around the forty eight thousand a year was what you'd start on. Uh, when you're qualified. So, like, if you compare that to somebody after four years in college going into their first job, they'd get nothing like that. But after four years apprenticeship, you'll be making 48 grand straight away. Well, by by the time you're in your fourth year of your apprenticeship, Neil, you'll be on 40,000 a year. Yeah, and as soon as you qualify, you're on to 48,000. Now, that's electrical and that's plumbing. I'm not sure the other trades exactly, but they wouldn't be far off it, like, you know. But, like, and Neil, you're right, there wouldn't be too many college courses you come out and start on that kind of money. No, you'd obviously progress up through the, the, the salary brackets, you know, with your degree or your master's or whatever. But, like, Neil, I, I keep saying it, I'm not anti-college. This isn't anti-college rent. It's just, I'm fierce pro-apprenticeships. I just think that they're a fantastic start in life, you know, and it's given me a great life. And we've been talking about it for years. I meet guys and we're always talking about it, just a, just a lack of respect towards the trades and just a snobbery around it. And it, I suppose... And 41 now, it's about time somebody started speaking out. So I put out the video, Neil, thinking it will go to the couple of hundred people that like my page in and around the Ballancolic area. And it's up to a quarter of a million views now, Neil. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Between all the platforms. So it's obviously something people are thinking about. And kids are putting under massive pressure, Neil. You know, get the points, go to college. And that's not for every kid. That's all I'm saying. It's not for every kid. If a kid has a flair for woodwork or car- carpentry or electrical or you want a plumber or a plaster, just encourage them. 
especially the girls. I wonder, oh, and listen, I saw the breakdowns of apprenticeships and I read them out on air some weeks back, a couple of months back. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's it's like like girls just aren't they're just not there at all. They're I mean, there are there are there are small amounts, but nothing by comparison to boys. Nothing, Neil. There's a huge pharmaceutical site in Cork. There's 600 people on that site, and two of them are females. Like you know, it's it's mad. They just need to be encouraged, and it's all just platitudes, Neil. That they are being encouraged. But talk to girls. I talk to girls. They're not encouraged. It's not seen as a, as a path. You know, it's not seen as a, an option after school. You know, but Neil, another thing too, can I talk just year, about... Year, years and years ago, people went into the trades if they weren't primarily academically minded and those who were went on to college. But now everybody goes to college based on the points. But they don't actually know what they want to do with their life when they do a college no. course. No, and some kids are ending up going into college. They're lasting a year or two years. They're costing their parents a small fortune when if they had just been left and supported to do what they wanted to do in the first place, they could be out earning while they're learning, you know. It's a fantastic route, Neil, you know. And as well, Neil... People have to understand there's the 25 traditional apprenticeships, right? The plumbing, plastering, electrical, all those, stonemasons, all those kind of traditional trades. But in the last few years, there's 37 new apprenticeships, Neil. Like some of those apprenticeships go all the way to level nine, which is your master's degree level. You know, there's a lot of them that go to bachelor degree level, which is your level eight. There's apprenticeships in engineering, in finance, in hospitality, in IT, logistics, farm, biopharma, property. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. but if you look, that, yeah, I know. But if you look at an electrician or a plumber or a carpenter, right? Yeah, um, yeah. You can you can actually work as many hours as you want. You okay? You could work for somebody, but you could make an awful lot of money doing foxers as well, couldn't you? <laughs> I can't talk about foxers. No, but like I mean, you, but let let's say that you pay tax <laughs> know, on them. But you know, yeah, you yeah. could you could work seven days or six days or half days, whatever look, you want. Like look, Neil, how I ended up ended up working for myself was I served my apprenticeship. I qualified as an electrician. Then I decided I was going to go back to college and do electrical engineering just to add another feather to my cap. So I went back and I was doing engineering and I was doing Foxers to put myself through college to keep myself going. Mm. And I found, geez, I, you know, I was making decent money doing it. And I said, you know what? I might have a go off this and uh, see how I get on working for myself. And that, that's how I started. And that's, this is my 18th year. No, Neil, like, you know. Did we ever recover after the recession, though, with regards to the trades? Because so many left. And again, I imagine the last two years, an awful lot also left the country, didn't they? Right. Neil, this is another thing that's always thrown back at, at, at us, right? Is that every tradesman had to leave the country during the last recession. A lot did. Absolutely a lot did. But any really, really... Like, some left by choice, Neil. Others left because they had to, because they, they couldn't find work. Any good tradesman that I knew, Neil... They all kept working through it. Now, times were tough, don't get me wrong. We walked and we walked and we walked. We got through it. Everyone got through it. You know, there's this, there, there was just as many, Neil, like engineers, architects, country surveyors, people in professions left the country. Just as many. But it seems to be, seems to be always that, oh, sure, as soon as the last recession came, every tradesman had to, had to leave the country. Some did. A lot didn't. And other guys moved into other careers. Guys, I would have served my apprenticeship with. They moved into manufacturing, they moved into pharmaceuticals. Yeah, they did, yeah. You know? yeah they did, and they moved indoors, the yeah, yeah. Yeah, and they worked up, and they've gone up the ladder very quickly in there to senior management positions in some cases, like, you know. So, yeah, uh, look, that's an argument. It's, it's hard to get, them. it's hard to get a tradesman sometimes when you need someone. It really is, like, is that because they're just too busy or they're not doing the smaller jobs, the call-outs or what? There's just, there's just not enough of us, Neil, at the end of the day. There's just not enough of us around, you know, um, yeah, I just did a bit of renovation work on my own house there and I know all the guys and even trying to get them out to my house was a problem. 
So I can imagine what it's like for somebody who wouldn't. But uh, I heard it's the, I heard it's that they overprice small jobs so that you'll go away, or if you now won't go away, you're uh, stupid enough to overpay. That's what I heard. Uh, you know? I don't know. I don't know about that. Look, there's obviously rogues in every industry, Neil. But like, look, that's not the kind of business I operate, and the people I deal with, and the people I associate, that's not the kind of business that most people operate. They go in to give a price to do a job to cover their labour. Some people think it's very expensive. Some think people think it's good value. How is the labour set, though? I mean, is there a kind of a set? How does that work? No, you set it. There's an hourly rate. Like, obviously, if you're a PAYE employee, there's the rates are set by the unions, you know. Um, so that's the starting rate then is the 48000 a year then. It's the starting salary for an electrician, you know. Yeah. Somebody texting yeah. her, interestingly, at the age of 41, is it ever too old to do an apprenticeship? Never. A 41-year-old wondering. Never, never too old, never too old. Yeah, because you'd be you'd be qualified by forty five or six, wouldn't you? But sure, by the time they're in, by the time they're in their their third year, the first year or two wouldn't be great money. Let's I'm talking about electrical now, Neil again. Ah, yeah, so well, you're apprentice. You probably start on seventeen or eighteen grand the first year, do you? It's a little bit. Yeah, it's around seventeen grand a year actually. Yeah, and I, I by the time you're in third year, you're up to thirty two thousand, and by the time you're in fourth, you're up to forty thousand. You know, so like it's you know it's it's good money for training, like you know and. People, I suppose people don't realise that either, Neil. You know? Yeah, yeah. Did it give, it's given you a good life, has it? I mean, you've travelled the world and never had a lean day, as I say. No, Neil, it's given me a fantastic life. I'm like, forever indebted. I served my time with uh, a company called Sean Hearn Electrical in Cork. I'm forever grateful to them. Um, it's given me a fantastic life. No, I'll never be a millionaire out of it, Neil, but, you know, I, I'm happy, I'm comfortable. We can go on our family holidays and we can have our nights out and there's food on the table and clothes on the kids back and like that's success to me Neil yeah, you know? yeah yeah so um, schools schools should talk more about apprenticeships and not just chasing points for college parents also should listen to their kids and pick up that maybe they might be telling them I don't want to go to college, college and don't discourage them about another path isn't that the message really absolutely that's the main message just encourage them if they have an interest in them encourage them to call it college isn't to be all and end all and you know I can't imagine being pushed down the route that you're not happy with, you know, and ending up in college, not really wanting to be in college, not having a passion for it, when, you know, you wanted to go down the trade route. And again, Neil, I'm not anti-college, I'm just pro-apprenticeship. I'd love to see more kids getting into it. And Neil, another thing, another massive problem as well, is women. There's not enough women encouraged to get into the trades, you know? Why is that? I don't know. Why don't they decide for themselves that they want to do it? I don't know. I don't know. Like... Yesterday morning, I was stopped at local coffee, drive through coffee in Ballancolly there, and the lady serving me coffee, she said, I saw your video. She said, when I was leaving school, she said, oh, I would have loved to be a carpenter. See? She said, just wasn't, wasn't encouraged. You know, I've had loads of messages like that, Neil. There's literally hundreds of messages, private messages from people, and people who pushed down routes that they didn't really want to go, you know, and it's just, it all comes back to this snobbery, this, it's grand for the neighbour's child to do an apprenticeship. God forbid my child would do an apprenticeship. He, my son or daughter would go to college. No yeah, it's what. like as if they say, oh, no, 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 you're better than that. But hold on a second. That's not true. <laughs> like, like, not at all. And how it, do you judge success, Neil? Like, how do you judge success in someone's life? Like, I think success is that you're happy in your work. Correct. You're happy in what you do. Yeah. You get yeah. up every morning, you look forward to going to do what you're... And you're, that you're not you're sitting working somewhere where you just can't wait for five o'clock on Friday and hate Monday mornings. Exactly. I can't imagine a worse life than that. I, we were at a house there in the last couple of years and I remember... The guy who owned the house, he was he was in the accountancy tr- profession, let's say. He was fairly high up in a, a big multinational. Yeah. And we did chat one day, and he said straight out to me, he said, Ken, all I ever wanted to be was a carpenter. Oh, man, really? His father, his father was into 
kitchen fitting and he was a cabinet maker and all he ever wanted to be but no, from home the pressure was we kind of got chatting and I said to him would you ever think about it he said I can't you know I have the mortgage I have the kids I have the wife you know I can't go back to it now Kind of thing, but that's it. I think that's awful, Neil. Like, that's probably a typical example of a lot of other people that he got shoehorned into something when his passion was elsewhere. That's sad, oh, isn't it? But, but I guarantee there's people listening this morning, Neil, in the exact same situation. Okay, so where, if they want to make change, where's the best place to go to do so? They need, we need to talk to the kids in schools. We need to get into the schools by speaking to to Solis and Solis will tell you they find it hard to get into some schools the schools just don't want to hear about it, it, it as far as the schools are concerned it's tick a box we have an X, X amount of kids gone through to third level that pushes us up the league tables league tables get published oh, every year aren't that's a shame. But, but that's not success Neil like, that's not success for a kid to say that 98% of our of our six years went to third level that's, I'd love to come back in 10-15 years time and see how that how all those kids are getting sure out. I know and there are degrees for everything now as you said in the video you know, degree. but like no, actually a degree now is of no use to you. You have to go further, don't you? No, sure. It's it's a master's. No, you can get a minimum to, to differentiate yourself, you know. And again, Neil, I'm not running down college. Jesus, college is fantastic. I really enjoyed my time in there. It's brilliant. But my whole point is just don't disregard apprenticeships. We need a massive amount of apprenticeship yeah. apprentices yeah. Coming, into, coming into it. We need them. Everybody, like, it's just, it's a huge problem. The government have announced 500,000 homes to be brought up to B2 energy level by 2030, this national retrofitting programme. Who's going to do it, Neil? That's 55,000 houses a year that need to be retrofitted. Yeah, Who's going yeah. to do it? Does an electrician put in the heat pumps or is that a plumber or is it both of you? Yeah, it's kind of both. It's plumbing, plumbing and electrical. Do you rate them? Because everybody's looking at heat pumps now. Yeah, look, if they're put into a very efficient house, yes, they are. They're brilliant. Um, they're very good. Um, retrofitting them. I suppose my thing about retrofitting, Neil, is it like... It's a, it's a huge outlay for people, right? Like, an average, your average heating bill in Ireland is about €800 Euro a year, right? This is from the CRU no website, right? The average heating bill in a house is €800 Euro a year. Your average retrofit, deep retrofit, is 56000 Oh, right? for They're God's sake, you're never going to make that back. But hold on, listen to this. The, the, the cost is 56000 This was on the other times last week, uh, or the week before. Um... And you'll get 50% with the new grant, you'll get 56 back. Or you'll get half that back. So that's yeah. 27,000, right? Yeah. Now, you'll save a maximum of 35% with a deep retrofit. That's what they're saying. Those are the statistics. 35% of your 800 euro a year um, heating bill is around 300 euro. That's all it is. So, so it's, well, you're investing the guts of 30,000 euro. You're going to have a saving of approximately 300 euro a year. It's a long payback. No, I'm not running it down, Neil. There's, it's, you're going to have a lovely, cosy house. The house value will go up. But it's a really, really long-term investment. It's like, a you know, long re- It's a long recoup, isn't it? It's huge, Neil, and it's it's way beyond the reach of norm- most people. To be honest with you, you know, to invest that kind of money into their homes, into their properties. Mind you, I've seen I've seen the new bills now. My son's buying a house at the moment, and I also got to visit a local authority housing estate that was being built in Yall. That fit house now are astonishing. The underfloor heating, the heat pumps. Yeah. The, I mean, they're totally sealed. I don't know whether it's a good thing or not. But oh, like, it's just, it's the, fin, the fit-out is incredible, the standards. Incredible. They're beautiful houses, and they, they're all A1, A2, B1, yeah. energy rating. They're fabulous houses, and it's brilliant. It's, and it has to be done, obviously, with the climate emergency and everything. But just, I suppose, just that people are aware that when the, you're going to be investing a lot of money in it, you know, and I, I think there could be more done to help people, Neil, to be honest with yeah, you. Yeah, and do the sums before lot, you decide to dive into it. All right, listen, it's great catching up with you, Ken. You really are across... Uh, 
uh, a lot of the a lot of the trades, not just electricians, as a career option. Is there is there a one stop shop for somebody who is a son or a daughter who may be listening that might be able to Google away and see if an apprenticeship is a choice for them? Where would they go? A starting point would be apprenticeship.ie, um, and you'll get all the information about the different apprenticeships on that. Or else apprenticeshipjobs.ie will give you a list of all. It's kind of a live website with. Um, with employers who are looking for apprentices. Superb. One, one, big thing, one big thing just before you let me go is just when you find, if you find an employer, just make sure that that employer is registered with Solace because you get kids who maybe six, 12 months into what they think is an apprenticeship and then find out that their employer isn't actually registered to train apprentices. Not everybody can train an apprentice. Oh my God. So when they find that out, they got to go back to day one then, do they? I was talking to a lady in Solace there last week and she was saying she just got a case of a young fella was a year and a half into what he thought was a plumbing apprenticeship, but the plumber wasn't registered to okay. train apprenticeship. Oh man, that's uh, just before you go, Geraldine just wants mm-hmm. to jump in there with regards to her own son. Geraldine, just quickly, good morning. Good morning, good morning. Nick. Your son, it says here, my son did a trade and has never had a poor day. That's that's correct. Yeah, he did a trade. He did a mechanical fitting, and uh, he's always worked, and he's his own home, and he's you know did very well. He never wanted to go to college, and we never forced him. So um, I thought it was a great opportunity for him and, you know, it's recommended for any young lad. Really. And how long ago are we about talking college. about now? Well, I suppose he's 37 now, so it's a couple of years back when he did the trade. You yeah, know? but even still, you know, although it's yeah. probably 15 years or 16 years ago, even yeah. then there was a lot of pressure on kids to go to college. Oh, there parents. was, yeah, but yeah. from the word go, he never wanted to go. So we just decided that that was the best option for him. And... Um, you know, so he's he's very happy in what he's doing and, you know, it's been, I, I would recommend it for anyone. I do think there's too much pressure on kids to go to college. It's not for everybody. Do you think it's you a know? snobbery thing or a status symbol? Well, I suppose in some ways, yes. I had you know, the son that went to college, but, you know, it's not for everybody. No, and, in fact, you know, I, it, it is for everybody at the moment and that's the problem. I think the status well, yes, symbol yes. should be the trades now and not yeah, college. I think it's a shame that, you know, people won't go for the trade, you know, because I think it's a great opportunity, you know, and it's... And how, know, how did he get on? Does he make good money, got his own house, goes on good yeah, holidays? Yeah, he makes good money, he's good holidays, he's involved in motorsport and he enjoys that and he's, you know, he's very doing very well. And he's doing something he loves. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Enough he's said. very happy. Fair play. Thanks, Thank Geraldine. you very much, Nick. Thank you both. Appreciate Thank you both you. taking the Bye. call. Bye. Cheers. Bye. Take care. Much obliged. Take care. On the lines will stay open. Text 0868-104-106. He couldn't have put it more straightforward than that. Ken O'Connell, if you want to get more information, www.apprenticeships.ie. Neil's got a new number. Call him now on 0818-104-106. Actually, Kieran says, my son is a third year electrical apprentice. He goes out every morning to work whistling. Earns great money. It's the best thing he ever did. Well, there's a young man going out to work happy every morning. And that's the most important thing, that you're happy in your job. You know, of course, the money is very important too and what you earn. But even earning good money and being unhappy or unsatisfied, the money won't make up for it. You've got to be happy in what you're doing and it's never too late to change. And somebody wondering there, are there any mature apprenticeship courses that are run at night for someone in a job at the moment but who would like to change career. Yeah, you want to get on with the apprenticeship before you make the move. I understand what you're saying. Will might know that, actually. He joins me by phone. Will, good morning. Morning, Neil. You wanted to pick up on Ken there, the electrician, talking about apprenticeships. You were, are, are you an electrician? Well, I'm an apprentice electrician. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Ken's page on Family for years, actually. Yeah, he makes an awful a lot of common sense there, you know? Yeah, yeah, I yeah. know. He's spot on, especially about... Um, 
how the schools aren't telling people about apprenticeships. Like I, I came out of school in 2008 and there was no talk of apprenticeships or how to get an apprenticeship. That was the most thing. Like people were like, is it on your CEO or how would you get it? They don't explain it because they don't want you to do it. So who came, into, who came in to talk to the students in fifth year or sixth year? Did the colleges come in or what? Colleges and employers, it's a long time ago, no, Neil, if I remember correctly. Like, but, um, you know, like, I think the schools think it's a failure for them if they send someone to be an apprentice. That, that was my... They've got to have a high me. 90s college uh, score, don't they? Exactly, especially the school. Now, I went to one of the two private boys schools in Cork, you know, the two I'm talking yeah, about. And yeah, uh, yeah. they definitely didn't... They, we, we were a stain on their reputation of becoming apprentices. They wouldn't the have been encouraging it. plumbers or carpenters or plasterers. No, or not at all, even though a lot of us were the sons of plumbers or electricians or carpenters who did well in the Celtic Tiger, you know? That's right, yeah, yeah, that's right, yeah. But, um... So you no, yeah, no, in your late 20s. Had you done something different before that? I went I went to UCC and I got a degree in art um, after school because I couldn't get an apprenticeship. So it was eight, there wasn't many options. Now only the ESB to take on apprentices and it was impossible to get in there. So I, I did the college, finished it out, but I uh, absolutely hated every minute of it and it was like pulling teeth like you know trying to get through it but, hey, arts, um, arts is kind of a is that a general degree is it yeah 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 I qualified with a history degree in the end and what are you but, supposed uh, to do with that then are you supposed to I do have it? absolutely no idea Neil if you could tell me a use for that degree I'm still trying to find one other than hanging it on my wall um, yeah but but yeah no so I spent a few years trying to get an apprenticeship and got into one of my late 20s there and um, still uh, getting through it there and I'm trying to qualify but uh, that was just one of the points in my text that the system now although it's great to advise people to get into the trade Solace and the government and I'm not even sure who Department of Education have really let the print system down and it hasn't been updated since the days of the the crash after the Celtic Tiger. And how would they let people down if people are crying out for apprenticeships? There's not enough instructors, there's not enough colleges, there's not enough centres, there's not enough classrooms. And now it's in a situation where a four-year apprenticeship, as Ken said it was, is actually about a five-and-a-half to six-year apprenticeship for an electrician because of all the backlogs. backlogs. So... How, and how is that split? Is that like do FOSS still do apprenticeships? Forgive me for not knowing. Well, FOSS is solace now, and they still control the whole apprenticeship. You go to a solace centre for your. Um, so you go to FOSS in Bishopstown for what half the a week Town, or something yeah. like that? Yeah, for for about six months, and then you'll kind of a year later go to phase four, which is in an IT. So CIT, and then again phase six is uh, you go there another year later. Phase four and phase six being about eleven weeks each. This is for electrical. No, I don't know much about other trades. Yeah, but let's say when you're doing that and you're doing your solace and you're doing, going to CIT, you're also working for an electrical yeah, firm in the in the in the middle of the college phases. Yeah, but the problem now is this: there are so many apprentices and they haven't uh, put money into the infrastructure and the instructors and everything that it's taking so long for um, apprentices to get through. And there's just something going to have to be done, like. Because you're losing money, like, you get to fortune now, and you have to do an extra year and a half as a fortune. So you're like two and a half years in fortune, and that's a, you know, that's a 19 euro an hour when a qualified electrician is getting around 24, like, yeah. so you're five euro an hour down, you know, it all adds up, like, and it just seems like nobody's interested in it. The only politician I heard talk about it is Donald Colleary. But, um, but you, you know, said that like there's so government ma- But you just said that there's so many apprentices. Apprentices. I mean, there's lots of people who want to be in the trades, is it? Yeah, well, it's very popular at the moment. Like, um, Well, that's a good thing, isn't it? 
it's it's a good thing for the for construction that it's so busy like but what's the most popular trade is there a particular trade is it electrical? oh it's electrical hands down hands down electrical yeah way way more popular than any other why one. is that do you uh, think the pay is just way better like you know um, it's about 24 23 50 stacked you know qualified and you end up at about 25 an hour so um, and sky's although, the limit if you go out on your own then yeah, I think pipe fitting is uh, the sa- union pipe fitting is the same rate as that, but um, so it'd be, it wouldn't be as popular, but it would be as well paid. Yeah, so they need to pick up the pace in getting apprenticeships trained, we need qualified. To get people through, you know, there's a big difference between being a fourth-year apprentice and being a qualified electrician, and what you can sign off on and what you can do, and it's just gonna, it's gonna help the whole construction industry and economy if we can get these apprentices through so we just I would just like to hear politicians okay. talking about it and be made an issue like and can I ask you just one more question you know all, all through your apprenticeship uh, have you come across any girls who are apprentice electricians well in the company I work in now and I won't say where it is yeah they make a big effort to get female apprentices so there'd be I'd have met probably five or six now but uh, I've been working kind of in the the construction industry for a lot longer than my apprenticeship and yeah they are Rare. I just happen to work in the one company you now where we'd have four or five. So you don't, in, uh, you're not seeing, park. you're not seeing a whole lot of women on sites. Not in any other building site, or not in any other company on the building site. We Why go is that? Do you none. think is it lack of encouragement or what? Um, I think it's you know if you ever looked at the w- women's sports, there's been stuff in RT about how they all girls seem to pack in sport after sixteen because I think there's kind of peer pressure that sport isn't for girls I think it's the same with the trades at all it's not for girls yeah. but they're well able and to, you know, to make some of the best apprentices and you know I'm sure they're going to be good for men or for women I suppose absolutely yeah we did a big job on, on the house there recently and Sigma did it as it happens but oh, the yeah, but the, but the, for, yeah, but the foreman was um, seriously able dealer female she was brilliant so she yeah, was de- yeah, she I, was I've coordinating yeah she was coordinating all of the different trades all of the timeline who was coming in who was bringing what everything it was fantastic hundred percent yeah yeah she's a good operator yeah so I like yeah no it's definitely open to women and especially electrical you know it's not you know there's no physical impairment for women to be able to get into it it's not you know that manual like, you know some other trades you mean like, like block laying might be tougher or something yeah but I'm sure there'll plenty of girls be able for block laying yeah. too like you know yeah. with it's all pouring concrete now, now like, isn't it it's not even blocks anymore exactly like so yeah. you know they'd be well able They're pushing buttons now and <laughs> massive <laughs> that's amount. all it is the walls is DJ on radio <laughs> oh thank you very much uh, you're like my son you don't work at all he says alright alright well cheers have a good day good luck with everything cheers, take care. all the best you know. take care lines open on one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. You can text, uh, sorry, 0818, I should say, 104106. You think I'd know by now. Text 0868104106. Don't know if you saw the piece on the news last night about the girl working on the building site in Dublin. She was the crane operator, and what a fantastic job she was doing. With that, with that qualification, she could work anywhere in the world as a crane operator. It doesn't all have to be about college says Terry. It, it really doesn't. Not everybody is academically minded. I mean, years back in my day, well, certainly in the North Mon, anyway, one, maybe two percent of everybody up there went to college. Vast majority of people that came through there would have gone directly into the trades. You can flip that now. It's the other way around now. It happened very fast, didn't it? Is there any chance you could ask the question, if someone is very good with their hands but would struggle with the academic side of the apprenticeship, what would their advice be? I'm sorry, I, I saw that text late, but I'll ask the next tradesperson that comes on air that question on your behalf. How academically orientated are the courses for trades? Um, 
So I can't answer that, not having gone through the trades, but when the next apprentice is on or indeed next tradesperson is, I'll put that point to them. Perhaps they'd like to respond themselves. Text 0868104106. I'm Rory. And I'm Valerie. And you can join us for the very best in local, national and international sport every weekend on The Big Red Bench. That's The Big Red Bench, every Saturday and Sunday from 6 on Cork's Red FM. New year, new number for Neil. 0818-104-106. And you can text 0868-104-106. Uh, with regards to uh, our city and um, the issues regarding our people who are on our streets, I see more texts coming in on that one. But can I just also remind, I was talking earlier on about Mary O'Halloran and I was making the point that she travels um, quite regularly from her home on the south side up to the orthopedic hospital, has to take a taxi up and a taxi home. Of course, Mary and Jerry uh, were held at knife point in Jerry's house on Boyce Street. They were robbed of 1,800 euro. Um, and uh, I believe that Mary was injured by the knife. Now, Gardaí uh, are following a definite line of inquiry into this aggravated burglar burglary. And of course, uh, poor Jerry doesn't want to go back into the house anymore. And Paddy O'Brien is working on him, working with him on that to see if they can find alternative accommodation when he comes out of hospital. But I was thinking it would be a nice thing if there was a taxi firm that might uh, look after Mary as she's going to and from the orthopedic hospital. She's 84 years old and she's frail. And she's frail in one way, but she's very, very strong in many other aspects of her life. And, you know, she's um, uh, still very keen to look after her brother and get him sorted. Perhaps not in Boyce Street, but to get him out of hospital to somewhere new. But she has medical needs that need to be met and some of them could be related to the burglary. I, I don't know. But it would be great if a taxi firm would, uh, you know, get in touch and just take just take up the slack on that and say, look, we'll look after her trips to and from the orthopedic so that she doesn't have to pay the cost of it herself. So if you'd like to do that, then please get in touch. Text 0868104106. There is another thing that involves cost and that you're probably following the story. And Lana just mentioned it there. Uh, the fundraiser that's been set up for um, the Church of the Ascension in Grona Braher. Well, it is an Ascension church in the sense that right up on the top of it, ascending the top of it, if that's the right way to put it, is the cross. But the cross is tilting. And this, of course, has to do with a couple of storms we had there recently, Eunice and Franklin. And it is tilting to the side. I don't know how dangerous that is, but work needs to be done in it. I don't know if any kind of safety work has been done already, but they're trying to raise 10 grand for work to be done on the church. I just want to have a quick chat with Father Tom, uh, who's up there at the church. Um, uh, just see what it's like and see how dangerous it is or how they're getting on with it. Tom, good morning. Can you hear me all right, Tom? I, I can, yeah. Fair yeah, play. It's Neil. Yeah, it's Neil. Uh, Tom, um, is, is it safe now or is there a chance that it could literally fall over? Or what's, the, what's the update on the cross? Yeah, the, the engineer's report is actually that it's, it's stable enough but uh, what we have to do in the next within the next days as soon as it, 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 we're arranging it at the moment getting scaffolding up and actually it's the casing around the cross uh, kind of around if you like the spine of the the iron girder it is the casing around that that has dislodged from the from the spine if you like oh, and that's right. what's tilting over so it's what's it's down. what's securing it to the steeple then, as opposed to it part, is, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What's the cross made out of, Father Tom? Uh, it's there's the the inner core would be a kind of an RSJ beam, and then there is a casing around it of about I think about twelve inches square, and within that casing is the lighting. So. It, that's really that has to come down to render the place safe. So that's the and cross that we see at night when it's pitch it dark. Is, yeah. That's yeah, the yeah. cross. You can see it from the yeah. south side. Like you can certainly see you it, can from see the it from the city. Everywhere, yeah. yeah. And how long yeah. is it up there? When was that church built? 
Now, the church was built in 1955 and it, it had a smaller cross and around 1962, some priest or parishioner came up with the idea of uh, elevating the cross and lighting it up at night. So it, has, it was lit for most of that time and in, uh, but just in recent years it was costing too much to, to maintain it because every time a light went you needed a crane to oh. to get up. Oh, for God's so, sake. Turn- we did get it going about um, about four years ago there, and we got a tremendous response from people. You know, they were just, people were delighted, and they kind of saw it as a beacon of hope over the city of Cork. So is it lighting again now all of the time at night? Uh, it is, yeah. All night long, yeah. And uh, But just it, 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 it's disconnected now at the moment since it has tilted over. There's no fear that it'll tilt more or come down then? Uh, no, but it will come down within the next few days, but tis, it's relatively safe enough. It's secure enough at the moment. Okay. So there's no there's no imminent threat, really. Uh, what the, the engineers are afraid of is... Because there was some confusion as to whether funerals or weddings or masses would go ahead because of the, the, the possible threat of it falling. Where, where are you at with that? Yeah, well, the fire brigade on Sunday said like that we couldn't use the place again until an engineer gave a report, and he said that we can use it, but we've cordoned off the area around the cross, and so kind of cars are restricted. So it will for funerals and things. It will pose a little problem for car parking, but we're back in business, if you like. Gotcha. The, the yeah. We've had mass this morning and yesterday morning. And I know you have a GoFundMe of ten grand, um, and I think yes, it's yes. maybe I've seen the echo saying about sixteen hundred that has been achieved, maybe more. But would it not be covered under building insurance? No, or is this as uh, they is well, this as they say an act of God? No, I think that there will be uh, there there will be there, there's an, a, a loss adjuster coming today to look at it, and there will be something paid, but they notice that the cross is in a very bad way, so that will have to be replaced now, and of course the insurance won't cover yeah, that. Yeah. They will cost, the, we hope they will cover scaffolding costs and things like that. Yeah, yeah. I think it's at about 1900 now at this stage, isn't it? Yeah, I think yeah. so, yes, yeah. Neil, yeah. yeah. I, I thank the people for uh, their contributions. Yeah, okay. You know? so, so it must have been very, very windy in that, because you're up high as well for Franklin and for Eunice. I mean, were you there? Was it very windy? I, it was. It was. It was fairly bad on Sunday, and around half four, somebody knocked at my door and said, "Did I know that the cross was tilting?" So I went over and uh, looked at it for a good while. You must and have it nearly had moving. a heart attack, did you? <laughs> I have a strong heart. Uh, <laughs> you certainly be worried. Like parishioner calls and says, "The cross is tilting on the top of the church." I mean, you saw yeah, what happened to the uh, Millennium Dome in London, like. We uh, no, it's uh, just one more problem we've kind of felt we had to face, really. So, mm. not much problem, Neil. Yeah. Okay. Well, drive on with it, and the fundraiser is there if people want to actually contribute, um, make it safe again, and put up as a new one. So you're saying could be a new one? It could be a new steel structure. Yeah, it will have to go up there because now the other one has served as well. It has served for sixty years, so uh, the, the the new one will kind of 
last well into the future. All right. Okay. Well, listen, thanks for taking the call. I'll give out details of the GoFundMe. Appreciate it, Father Tom Walsh. Thanks for thanks taking the call. Thank you, and thank you for the work you do. All for, right. You're more than welcome. You're very kind. Thank you. Donations can be made to GoFundMe.com forward slash Ascension Cross Grona Braher if you so choose to uh, contribute to the fundraiser. I'm not sure that everybody will, mind you. Stephen, good morning. Hello. Hi, Neil. You're saying, I'll say what everyone is saying, but harsher. What is everybody saying? Uh, Well, I noticed that, and this is really rare for a Facebook comment section on your your Facebook page. Yes. But um, everyone was agreeing and they were pointing out how much money the, the Vatican has. And, uh, you know, I never badmouth. I never, I, it was never like, I never badmouth the fundraising effort of my fellow Corkonians or anything like that. I, I wanted to, like everyone, sort of draw attention to the, the wealth, I guess, that the Vatican has. Yeah, and they are very wealthy. It is, as you call it, a mega corporation. But they tend to they tend to keep it for themselves in the Vatican. They I don't think that they're you know writing checks for the Church of the Ascension and Grana Braher. Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I, well, I, I've I've kind of um, I've talked to a few people who've kind of um, who who have like been there, and the um, you know you, you don't have to prompt them to just talk about how luxurious it looks the the, the Vatican itself yeah, like the, yeah yeah but what I'm saying yeah. is they don't give, they don't necessarily give it to the parishes the parishes are poor makes it even worse that they are you know yeah, yeah um I yeah it, it's it's a it's a real shame I guess I mean there's a lot of them and I think parishes as well are like separate legal entities in, in, in as far as like they have to balance their own books like you know yeah, it's kind of sad. I mean, I guess they get like to accrue more wealth. It is sad because when, the, the Vatican doesn't yeah. pay a priest a wage. The priest relies on the church collections. Isn't that the case? I have absolutely no idea, Neil. To be fair, but but that's that would be a that would be a shame because, like, um, yeah, I, I guess I guess you know all all of the all of the wealth the Vatican has, and yeah. and, and yeah. the way they got the wealth as well is a bit if you look into that. But, yeah, so yeah. do you believe then that if a church needs to repair a cross on top of the steeple, they should pay for it themselves? Well, look, let me put Was it this way, Was that the response Neil? you got on Facebook kind of thing? I think so. Well, the, the storm is an act of God too, right? I mean, you'd think the house of God would clean up after him, right? <laughs> for that uh, simple. But did you find most people agreeing with you? I found people agreeing with me, I think. Uh, just a cursory look through the comments, it was all like, uh, oh, do you know, I, I think the Vatican is a few bob. Like, <laughs> Get on to the Pope to cut a check for the church in Grona <laughs> Let's see what people think of that, whether or not we should be fundraising for the church or the Vatican should pick up the tab. Thanks for that, Stephen. Appreciate it. Text 0868 uh, Again, back to bottomless brunches from earlier this morning. Here's an advert for you. You have an hour and a half booking and you drink unlimited Prosecco or mimosas with your lunch. Isn't the mimosa involving orange juice and Prosecco? Is that what it is? A moment of question on that. Or there is a cheaper option where you get two cocktails with your lunch, and that's called crunch. But the bottomless brunch is pick any dish with unlimited Prosecco or mimosas for a period of one and a half hours, 35 euro per person. The crunch is pick any dish with two cocktails from the cocktail menu at 28 euro. So for €7 more, 
you have unlimited Prosecco and a main course. And when I say unlimited, it's as much as you can drink in the hour and a half. Okay, um, I'll come back to more calls after the break. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Tweet the show at Neil Red FM. 104 to 106 Red FM. Straightforward text here. Why does the church not have insurance? They do have insurance. I said it to Father Tom Walsh, but he said that the loss adjuster who look at it on behalf of the insurance company has found that, yeah, you could, uh, could claim on the insurance to repair it, but it's beyond repair that it has structural damage and they need a new one and that there will be a gap between what the insurance will pay out and what it needs to put up a new one and do the business on it. And uh, they figured that that could be 10 grand. So as usual, insurance doesn't cover everything. Okay, so more on that. Keep those texts coming. Meanwhile, we have these wonderful holiday breaks to give away. They're three nights self-catering weekend breaks. uh, And it's on the weekend of the 1st of April for anybody who worked frontline and you're to bring your entire family and make sure there are kids as well because there's some great things to be done down at Trebogan. Uh, and that's complimentary access to the subtropical pool paradise, use of the children's play areas, access to the newly opened beach, incredible nature trail walks and 140 acres actually to play around with. And of course, your own catering facilities for sure in your own self-catering weekend home, three nights uh, for the entire family, but also use of the restaurants there and the pub and the bar and drinks and what have you. So all of that is wonderful. So wonderful texts and emails coming in on this from people who claim to have deserving friends or family members. Like here's one, for instance, from Claire, the proudest big sister in Ireland. She says, among my siblings are two nurses and a firefighter, all deserving this break. So I'm nominating each of them and their families. Katrina and Terry are married, a bride and a paramedic. Uh, Katrina worked in ICU and COVID wards initially and Terry and his workmates have worked tirelessly in their ambulance all through the pandemic. They have twin boys, Liam and Owen, and had to juggle childcare, homeschooling and work schedules all through the pandemic. Wasn't easy at the height of it as they felt they couldn't leave the kids with anyone with their jobs that they were doing. They're deserving of anything I could write and anything I say will be inadequate. My other sister, Eilish, is on and is an oncology nurse who was working as well hard in juggling childcare went into total isolation from all of us so as not to bring any infection to her vulnerable patients. Patrick's a mechanic and a firefighter and has been working tirelessly through the pandemic to help those misfortunate circumstances while also keeping his business going and the family safe. So I'm proud of all of them, says Claire, the proudest big sister in Ireland. I'd like to nominate my son, Jonathan, who worked during the whole pandemic in Avoncourt, loading the trucks so the food and medical supplies could keep getting into the shops and chemists while all the trying to try all the all the while trying to keep me safe because I'm recovering from cancer. Jonathan lives with us. Jonathan is her son. I'd like to nominate myself. Selfish, I know. I work in a factory where we make PPE for hospitals. You can imagine the pressure. And not only was I a seamstress, but a very, very unqualified homeschool teacher to my three kids. I was also Joe Wick's personal trainer, having an asthma attack after jumping three jumping jacks, uh, telling my kids, "Mam's not allowed to exercise." I went to work every day trying to keep my workmates upbeat. Also very concerned about getting COVID and bringing it back home, says Tracy. And then one or two more, my partner and father of two boys and his son, Jack. David works as a healthcare worker in Heather House, worked nights during the whole pandemic, never complained. I'm frontline, but David went through the pandemic and really needs a break. Not many men would stand up and ask for help. And I'm so proud of him asking for help. What he saw working in hospital during the pandemic led him to develop depression. He used to sit with the patients when their families weren't allowed in and watch them take their last breath and let them know they were not alone. 
I admire him as an individual for so much for that. He's a great relationship with all the patients and it really hit him hard when they passed away. Thankfully, David's in a a great place now and I have the David I know back. But it was hard watching him suffer. Used to come home from a night shift and stay up all day with our boys while I went to work some days. He'll kill me for sending this in, but I just want to say, whether he wins anything or not, how proud of him I am and that we love him. And that's Nicola Barry talking about her wonderful partner and father of two boys, David. And I'm glad that he's getting well because I know he was through the wars. To the phone lines we go then on this. Donald, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Fair play to you for giving us these wonderful prizes. You're the, you're the GM of Traboggan. Are you open for business or when does the season start? The season starts for us, Neil, start on the 1st of April. So we're going to kick off with this fantastic um, thank you to all our frontline workers. We were closed ourselves in 2020 and didn't open until June 2021. I know, mental, wasn't it? But why did you decide to give away the entire weekend? Well, what we decided, Neil, was, you know, a lot of us would, you know, we, we learned things through the pandemic that, you know, we need to look into ourselves and be mindful of the effort that people around us are making. And we realised that you don't even have to look outside your front door to see that. There's so many people in the front line that have worked so hard for us. And so, look, we said, let's start off on a positive note after such a, a, a long period with the pandemic and thank people for the effort that they did and give ourselves a good start to the new season. Fair play to you. And you're picking up the price of that, the expense of that, the tab for that. Yeah, we're happy to do that, Neil, because, you know, I, I think we, everybody needs to thank people in their own way, whether it's putting up a holiday or whether which it's doing something different. I think the pandemic has taught us that we, we need to look into ourselves and, and be positive about helping people going forward. Well, thank you for giving me some to give away. I know there was 130 th- in total and you give away the lion's share of them online. What can people expect, say, on a weekend break to Trebogan? Well, Neil, for many people, Trebulgan, you know, when they think about it, especially I'm local myself, they think Trebulgan is just the pool and the waves. But it's so much more than that now, Neil. We've covered our main plaza area, so there's an outdoor entertainment area that can hold up to 400 people. We have our own characters. We've got Peppa Pig. We've got Ben and Holly. Then we've got High Ropes. We've got nature walks, we've got the beach area, we've got go-karts, we've got abseiling, combat laser, so it's so much more, so there's plenty on offer for everybody. And this new, this newly opened beach, talk to me about that, are you talking about a sandy beach or what's that? It is, well Neil, I, you know, we're talk, we've been talking about storms recently and going back at the time when Storm Ophelia was here, we had a number of trees fall down, so we created a picnic area and we w- went through the wooded area and noticed that there could be a walk right down to the beach so we opened out that area and we opened out the beach itself and it's a shale beach it's where Trabulgan gets its name it's a, a bellied beach uh, which is what trouble trough for beach and God, you never beach. knew that of course and yeah. um, it's been extremely popular so we get the kids to go down there and we get them to pick stones and things from the beach and bring them up and paint them with watercolours and take them away as souvenirs for themselves or leave them there so that when they come back the next time they can go and say well look that's what I did the last time I, I know I just wondering you know Trabogan itself would that originally way back in the day have been a family estate or something 
It was. It was owned by the Clark Comp- uh, family, and it was. Uh, it's where Roaches Point and Trebolgan is an entire area, and it was in a state stately home. And uh, obviously, over times, it's gone through many lives. It's been a Gwale skull. It's been there were monks here once upon a time, and uh, it was even a, a, a base during the army at one point in time. So it's got it's got a, a colourful past. Isn't it amazing? And all staff back and everything, and all facilities open. I know self catering is self catering, but you have you have restaurant options, don't you? And a bar. And back in the day, there was live music and cabaret and everything. Yeah. We, we do, we still have that need. So, you know, you've got indoor and outdoor entertainment areas. You've got uh, Sally's Restaurant. You've got Casey's Fast Food. You've got Costa Coffee. You've got different bars. You've got shops and so on and so forth. So there's plenty, plenty to do. And then there's the houses and they're all self-catering. In actual fact, we've been putting new kitchens and new bathrooms into over 100 of them during the winter itself. So it's very popular, you know. I and think you've I been all local traders. Absolutely. Local yeah, I hope you have a thriving spring and summer and autumn and of course Monday we see all restrictions lifted so great timing there we're too we're delighted yeah and all, all just at the right time ready for the forest when we open on the forest fair play well listen it's a wonderful initiative congratulations on thank it thanks for allowing me to be part of it thank you Donald thanks for taking the call Nate, I'd like to say as well if I know how hard it's been to kind of make decisions on how many holidays and who you give them to so <laughs> if it helps you I'd like to be able to give you an extra two holidays that you can add to the list that you have and just to thank you for the frontline work that you've done with your team as well the more the merrier believe me I can make more people smile that's what it's all about and help as many families as I can thanks for the couple of extra Donald I do appreciate it cheers thank you Neil take care of yourself Donald Sullivan the GM GM down at Traboggan Holiday Village let me drill on on these Rachel is standing by first up Noel good morning good morning so that's nice we have an extra couple so tell me all about Eleanor who is she Eleanor is my aunt and she's my godmother and she has seven grandchildren and she minds three of them. She works part-time in the CUMH. She's, she's, in, she's nursing 45 years and she's due to retire um, the end of March. And she's in the NEO, isn't she? Looking after the she's tiny She's in the babies. NEO, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, she looked after my, um, my, my, da- my daughter Willow. Did you? Um, she did, yeah, because I had a C-section myself. So and, she had a family um, interest in it. She did, yeah. <laughs> and she was able to help and get a few bits from me because I'm a single mom myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, we think of COVID wards and ICU and everything within hospitals. Yeah. And also, to an extent, A&Es. But there are a lot of yeah. other units there during COVID that were very critical, there I is. have to say. Neonatal is a critical unit. You're talking about very sick babies very sick babies. Now, Willow wasn't too bad, but Eleanor has often told me that um, babies are very sick and they're very small and um, that their parents are very stressed over everything and worried about there. them. I've been there. My own daughter was in the neonatal unit in the Erinville okay. for a long, 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 long time. And I know okay. the worry that's involved. It's just really touch and go in the early days. It really is. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And, you know, I really, all the girls up there are very, very nice. I met a lovely girl that was looking after Willow as well, Claire and Mary uh, O'Driscoll. And um, I met a few more as well that taught me how to breastfeed and everything. I got really the five-star treatment. And is she thriving now? Is Willow thriving now? Well, it was perfect, yeah. Just basically what happened was when she was born, she just needed a bit of oxygen and she did, she did a poo when she came out. So we just had to check for infection. 
and she was in an antibiotic for a few days as well, but she was back up to me so um, within 36 hours. So if, for instance, Eleanor was uh, one, of our, one of our winners, would there be a big family gathering with Ed on to Trogan, is it? Well, we're after having a rough two years and it's nice to be able to bring, she'll be able to bring her own grandchildren and she'll have, she'll be able to look forward to something new and fresh like because she's mad about and she's mad about Willow, she's very good to Willow yeah, as well. Yeah, and also and she's retiring in March, isn't she? She is, yeah. yeah. So she's, like she might go back and do something different maybe because like within her 48, her 45 years, she started off um, nursing and then she went back and did midwifery and then she decided then to go on to deliver babies as well and then there was a spot that came up in the Neo that um, she went further again. Yeah, I think so her passion after is, yeah. being in England and Dublin and everything That's right. over the 45 years. So oh, it It'd be excellent. <laughs> She's helped a lot of families. Fair play to her. Noel, thanks for yeah. telling us the story of Eleanor McCarthy. I do appreciate yeah. it. Stay listening. Um, again, I know that we are talking about people in medical settings, and that's very important because there was a big medical aspect to all of this. But there was a lot of other wheels turning, you know. The economy had to keep going, and like we had other things with regards to retail conversations and people, you know, you people, taxi drivers went to work, bus drivers went to work, train drivers went to work. Rachel, good morning. Good morning, Neil. And you were saying in your email that you've heard the stories of the doctors and the nurses and the guards and the retail workers. But let's just hone in on your dad, shall we? Tell us about him. He's not a doctor or a carer, but he went to work He's every not, day. No, yeah. exactly. He got up and he went to work every day as a train driver. And not once would he have considered himself a frontline worker. But in my eyes, he definitely was. Um, there were still people, that, essential workers, that needed to get to work and needed to travel on the trains and they were there every day to bring them. They did, yeah. Well, the trains um, were running on the tracks, so I would regard that as being were, essential. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, definitely. Every single day he got up and it was a hard year for us last year, so it wasn't just him going to work. He was just in amazing support for all of us. Um, I was pregnant at the time and my pregnancy wasn't always plain sailing and I was in and out of hospital a lot. I must have been admitted nearly... 10 to 15 times I'd say Wow! and yeah and he dropped me up every single time obviously over Covid couldn't come in, waited he might have made 2 or 3 trips a day to make sure I had everything I needed um, and also the end of March my mom went in for um, a standard operation, a hysterectomy and she came home and everything was fine and through all this my dad continued to go to work and didn't miss any days and he booked some holidays off when my mom was recovering and unfortunately when she was at home he realized something wasn't right um and we went in and out of the hospital a couple of times and they put it down to dehydration yeah. and this and that but we wouldn't give up on it we knew something was wrong and that she wasn't herself and it turned out she actually had septic shock oh stop it's lucky he picked up on that like only for him knowing and like i was very sick with hyperemesis at the time so I was constantly vomiting like 24-7 so I couldn't even notice but he would not give up he was persisting that there was something wrong and it sounded quite if it was septic shock it sounds quite it sounds quite advanced then Neil it was the scariest thing like to be honest we thought we were going to lose my mum and I was seven months pregnant at the time I never forget it and she had no recollection of getting the hysterectomy she was actually put on dialysis um, and moved to the kidney ward in the CUH and we couldn't visit her because of COVID. She's one lucky and woman because untreated sepsis will kill you. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, and they, Obviously, the hospital was so busy at the time with COVID and everything that they did put it down to dehydration and ah, things like that. Well, but yeah, only well. for my dad persisting. And through all that, 
um, we had to dress up in PPE gear because she was so bad and go into the hospital and visit her. And he was just our rock through it all. Like he myself and my brother. He saved your mum's life. So That's what I mean. He yeah. saved her life. And he never once complained or he never once worried about himself or let us know that he was worrying. He kept reassuring us that everything would be okay. And he continued to, even when she was in hospital, he continued to go to work, like how he went to work with that in his was mind. Was he driving you know? Cork, Dublin, was it, the train? He was driving all over, all over. Some, some of them are local, some, some of them would be Cork, Dublin, so it was long hours. He'd get up in the middle of the night, he'd ring the hospital, the ward in the hospital before he went into work. He'd ring him on his lunch break and again when he came home, just checking up on how she was. And then when she finally did come, was recovering, thank God, um, the dialysis worked. And she didn't want to stay in the hospital because, like, she she actually thought it was so bad. She actually thought she was in a home meal. She was delirious. She, she was delirious. Yeah, she, yeah. Was delirious. she was just a memory loss, the whole lot. And, and she and, was ringing us. And how is she now? come get me. She's flying, thank God. It was a long, long And a little birdie tell me that on top of all of that and lots more besides, your car packed up and the bank of dad oh came to the rest. Oh, my God. <laughs> the bank of dad. I've been using that now 30 years. My car, I was I never forget it. A month before my baby was due, my car decided to stop in the middle of the road and it was just, that was the end did of it. it did, did you not run out of, was it petrol? No, it was not. I say the thing now nearly blew you know up. The, and I was like, you know how am I going to put a baby into this car? So what and did he do? He, like, he said, no way is are you or the grandchild going into that car. <laughs> and I was looking and I was saying, I'd never afford this. And I was out of work over the hyperemesis and obviously I was being that heavily pregnant. So he put in for rest days and overtime and he got the money together and he got me a safe family car that I needed. for oh, that's, myself that's, the baby. that's one of the best stories I've ever come across. Tell me this. We don't even know this guy's name. His name is Stephen and he's actually down the railway now at the moment. He's probably mortified. But he I, just, bet you I, I bet you I know him. I know an awful lot of the staff by, by sight down there. I tell you, Neil, he's just one in a million. And never once, like, through all this, even when I was like, I'm nominating my dad. He's been mortified. Like, well, that, there's more deserving cases out there. Yeah, well, he, he, won't, he won't thank me for saying he's just missed his 60th, because did that get cancelled Oh, or yeah, yeah. He's <laughs> actually 60 last year, and we had a party planned, but obviously over COVID. And my mom was in hospital the day of his 60th, not doing well. Ah, so fantastic. Just, we just had a cake at home in that. Yeah, yeah well, at so least, you I know. was saying, for the, he, he's 61 now on the 1st of April. So I was saying the weekend away now. That can oh, then gonna listen. <laughs> you can you've you've got that you've got a prize. You have. Oh, so, thanks a million. You have. In <laughs> fairness, so uh, just on so many different levels, it's just a fabulous story. So Stephen, what's his surname? Healy. Stephen Healy and all of his family will have his thirty his sixth and he said thirty first birthday, sixty first birthday. Um, in Traboggan because that's the weekend that I have for you it's a three night self-catering weekend break at that's Traboggan so you make sure you got the cake organised for Stephen who's going to go because I want kids to go as well not oh, just we the have, old yeah he have two beautiful grandsons and um, a granddaughter um, well true marriage kind of yeah, but, yeah well get, yeah, get and we have round up, and everything round up another few will you Oh, we will, of course. We will, of course. <laughs> delighted. That, I'm so delighted much, you got in touch. Thanks for sharing that story. Stay at home. We get some more details, but you can consider it. Put it in the calendar. The weekend of the first. Three nights self catering we'll, we'll have a 61st birthday for him. Oh, uh, and he so deserves it, doesn't he, Rachel? He do, he do. And he'll right. still kill me for this, but thanks a million, Neil, because to us, he is one in a million. Uh, and a load of different levels, he's one in a million. Thank you. Cheers. Enjoy the weekend. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Thank you for making The Neil Prendiville Show the most listened to talk show in Cork.
again. Cork's Red FM. Yes, indeedy. So keep those uh, conversations coming. I'd like to nominate my brother Dennis for your Trabalgan giveaway. All through the pandemic, he worked tirelessly taking care of my autistic sister, sister with autism. Last year, she had no daycare and was without care a lot of the time. He stepped up, Dennis stepped up without asking a single question to take care of her every day, making sure she was washed, dressed and fed. Of course, the daycare was gone at this stage, remember. Keeping her entertained was a difficult task as she loved to go out to cafes. But when they were all closed, we had to make tea and treats and put them in takeaway Costa or McDonald's cartons and pretend that it had been delivered to her. I think that's lovely. He had a difficult time at the start of the pandemic. His brand new motorbike was stolen from outside the family home. And a week later, our father passed away suddenly. That's so sad. He also is a great help to me as I have a serious chronic condition, osteoarthritis, and have nearly all my joints replaced. He's been a great help to me as there are things I can't do for myself. Yesterday, he went off with my sister and did all my shopping for me. I'm awaiting surgery now myself to have my ankle fused. So that's going to be another big worry for him. It would be fantastic if we could all get together and go and have a break, just to forget about life for a short while. We used to go there in Trabalgan when we were very small. It would bring back some great old memories, says Regina in Ovens. I'd love to chat with you, Regina, if you're up for a phone call, just to maybe chat a little bit more about your story. Uh, but do keep them. I worked in the front line during the pandemic as a dental nurse in Finbars. I went to Parky Cueve and all the nursing homes doing the swabbing. It was unknown at the time. We didn't know anything about COVID, what it could do to us, if PPE even worked. It was very upsetting. But you know what? We did it. We did it and we did what we could. 12-hour shifts, if not more. Travelling from Lismore to Cork. I used to come home at night, undress in the garage, run into the shower before I could even say hello to my little family, if they were still up. My little girl was four when it kicked off. My boy was one and a half. I now have a four-month-old baby too. So grateful. We had no help. Both my parents passed away when I was young, says Laura. Now I know people uh, were without help too. We had only our little pod but we survived. I'd be thrilled if we got to go to Trabogan and the kids would absolutely love it. They've never been, says Laura, sharing her story from the COVID and what she did uh, to help. Many of our frontline stories are absolutely amazing. Just a quick call or two before I go for the day. Kate, good morning. Morning. Because I'm great, thank you. Because we posted this on Facebook, we picked up a lot of calls and comments and responses from people all over the country. It was up in Wicklow and Leitrim yesterday. You're in tip, is that right? Yeah, I'm, I'm originally in Tip, but uh, I'm actually in Belfast at the minute. Ah, see, there you go. Like, <laughs> how's life in Belfast? It's good, it's good. Just um, working from home, so not too bad. Okay, so you got in touch with me to chat about your own sister, wasn't it? Yeah, my eldest, well, older sister. Yeah, in the COVID ward in South Tip General. Yeah, um, yeah, it was a new ward that was set up specifically for COVID that she was in, well, partly in charge of running. And tell us about her time there. Um, well, like the first few cases, there wasn't that many cases in Tipperary, thankfully, at the beginning. So it was um, used as a respiratory ward as well. So there was a lot of cases that were coming in that unfortunately did come COVID. And she had a few patients that ended up having long COVID and having to go into the ICU. So I know, I know. And she was you... up right there in front. Yeah, and that's what she did. But and I know you you lost your mom in twenty twenty during uh, lockdowns and pandemics. Did she pass away in Tip General? Uh, no, luckily we were able to get her home. Um, about, and I think it was the end of February, so we just were able to get her home just in time. So luckily she was able to pass uh, in her own bed at home. 
And were you all there? Just was your sister. Yeah, your, sorry, I don't know your sister's name. Incidentally, it's not in the text. Uh, her name's Kelly. Kelly, and, and was 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 Kelly as as a nurse able to help with your mum? Yeah, unfortunately, um, uh, my mom didn't pass as easily as we'd hoped. Oh, so dear. it was up to my sister to um, give the last couple of drugs to help pass over. Oh, that's tragic, isn't it? Yeah, it yeah. wasn't easy on any of us, and I'm sure it wasn't on her. I can well imagine. I mean, it must have been an awful time of grief. Yeah, but I think part of part of what helped her get back is just to get back into work and help the people who she could there. I think it was just her main way of dealing with the grief um, from her mom's death. I know, I know. Is Kelly going to get married, I think, is she? Yeah, she, um, well, they had planned, well, they recently got engaged, I think it was last year, but then all the COVID issues postponed it on, so I think she's hoping for next year, but um, we'll see what's in the store, because I know she's looking for a house as well with her fiancé and their kids. I know, and that's not easy anytime, sure it's not? No. She must love her chosen profession as a nurse, though. Oh, yeah, 100%. Like, she gets involved, um, and she's a real advocate for each patient, like, she's goes above and beyond them ever she like she usually would come back and tell us some stories like some horrific stories and like to see the effect that it has on her is hard to see but it's also nice to know that nurses like her are around and they do care I think you're right there I think it must have been the toughest challenge of a nurse's career you know um, because of the amount of people that were very sick in ICU and on COVID wards that ultimately did pass away a lot of the time without family, you know? So Yeah, that was part of what she had to do was um she was unfortunately responsible for having to turn family members away or <sighs> and to explain what was going on with their family member over the phone and of course she would be familiar being in that position. I agree with you. I had a te- I had a text a while ago from a a, per- a person whose partner um, developed very bad depression because of that, just having to do those kind of jobs and to be with somebody's loved one as they were passing, while at the same time having to restrict visits. He, it got him very down. Yeah, like I know she struggled a lot, but um, I think she just did her best, really. Like she was, she always made sure, like there was one patient she mentioned that was um, alone and she made sure she had her PPE and she was there with them as they passed, just so that there was somebody with them because his family wasn't able to come in and we should never forget that you know we should never forget that the impact that it would have on a human being having to go through that process on behalf of families that they don't even know you know yeah very important Kate thank you so much for telling us about your wonderful sister Kelly and good luck to her do stay listening Uh, just one or two others here I want to just when COVID arrived Uh, My brother-in-law, Ross, was working in retail in Lidl. I think that all retail workers deserve recognition for helping to keep the country going over the past couple of years. In the beginning, they were facing into work every day without all the safety measures that we now have in place. He worked extremely hard during the time, never complaining. Last July, he made the decision to come out of retail and become a full-time carer for my two nephews. Uh, who are both on the autism spectrum. This was to allow his wife, my sister, to return to work with the HSC. 
He's every bit as dedicated to his new role and the whole family would really appreciate a little holiday together after a tough couple of years, says Claire. And one other final one now. Um, my wonderful daughter Lorraine O'Donovan from Middleton worked at the vaccine centre in Parky Cueve. And then when that closed, she transferred to the swabbing centre in Blackpool and also vaccinated on the North Main Street. Uh, last November, I got COVID badly, ended up on a ventilator for six weeks. I came off it, thank God, and came home. Uh, I now have lots of physio to do to get me walking again. Throughout this time, and all the worry, she continued to work and mind her six-year-old son, who's adorable. She's a great girl who's been through a lot herself. It would be a great boost if she won one of your giveaways, says Rosari. Well, you certainly came through the wars, Rosari. I know that your sister worked very hard through it, Lorraine. But you were obviously clearly in an ICU unit within probably the, the CUH on a ventilator, so... Well done you for coming through that. Back after the break. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now on the new number 0818 104 Dylan was talking about his dad who recently retired from the army after 22 years. And during the start of the pandemic, he was looking after the transport section in Collins Barracks. In that job, he'd organized transport for people who were going to hospital or COVID PCR tests. Now that he's retired, he drives for people with additional needs. Both his parents were frontline, actually, his dad within the army but like my dad always says it's my mother who's the real hero working two frontline roles firstly in Tesco Wilton the shopping centre and secondly as a care assistant for home instead both jobs were extremely extremely, uh, difficult she'd been really cautious around everybody for every location and the general public in Tesco to whose uh, you know, obviously you wouldn't want to be bringing things into work or bringing anything home. So, you know, frontline within, say, for instance, a Tesco or retail. My mom really deserves a break. She works so hard for me and my sister. If me and my sister need to talk to someone, she is the first person we would go to. I'd say, yeah, Dylan's a 13-year-old lad who's writing in on behalf of his mom and dad. So well done to you, Dylan, on their behalf. I did touch on a story earlier on involving two nurses and a firefighter. Neve, good morning. Hi, Neve. So their brother, their brothers, their two sisters and a brother of yours, is it? Two sisters and a brother, yes. Um, two, two sisters are nurses and my brother is a firefighter. Okay, were they ICU or COVID nurses? Um, my sister Katrina was in the ICU or the emergency department in CUH when they first started the, the pandemic broke out. And my other sister Alicia's in Galway and she's an oncology nurse. I'm seeing here two nurses, a firefighter and a paramedic. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Katrina's husband is a paramedic. <laughs> so like, so it sounds madness. as if you could, you could only have a relationship in your family if the other person was involved in medicine. That's it, yeah. <laughs> Life-saving. All cool. So That's two it, nurses, yeah. a firefighter and a pandemic. They were up to... Are, they yeah. any, are there any kids involved in any of those relationships? Yeah, my sister Katrina and her husband Terry, um, they have twin boys, they're 12 now, so it was hard trying to juggle work and childcare and um, homeschooling and stuff. And then my sister Eilish in Galway, she has a boy, he's 11, Fionn, and she just had, she had just had twins, a boy and a girl, Oshin and Aoife, just the end of 2019. So we didn't get to see them much. Um, I actually have seen them once, and they're nearly there are two now. It's, so. um, it's insane, isn't it? You don't have to go to Australia for a story like that, you know. It's the same here from different parts of the country. Yeah, yeah. And my um, brother then he has four children. He's oldest daughter Lorraine. Actually, it's her twenty-first today, and she worked in a nursing home, so she still works in a nursing home. My, how many of you are involved in? Caring for people. The whole family by the um, sounds of it. 
the whole family, really, yeah, I do childcare myself. So my my mum was a nurse as well. She's retired. And my father was a guard. So they're both retired Get now. Get away. I also hear of a lot of these stories where people literally came home from frontline work, say, for instance, not necessarily just in hospitals, but also people in retail who literally changed clothes in the garage kind of thing or changed downstairs yeah, yeah. in the utility room before they met the family, you know, met their kids. Yeah, that's what my family were doing now. They were changing the utility and going straight into the shower before they even said hello to their kids. Like, yeah. so. so would you be able yeah. to get the nurses, the firefighter, the paramedic, the mechanic, who else am I missing? Would you be able to get all of those together? Oh, it'd be great to get them all together because we actually haven't seen much of each other the whole for two years now nearly. So, yeah. so would you be able to get them together for a weekend on the 1st of April to get them all down from the likes of Galway and all over the place down to Trebolgan? Kids as well? I'm, I'm sure we could manage something. We could drag them down somehow. We'll get there. <laughs> well, you put out feelers on that. If you can get the whole tribe together, I'll give you a weekend yeah. break on that basis. How about that? That'd be great. Yeah, we'd love that. It'd be great to get a family catch-up. So let them know, you know, particularly if you haven't seen some family members for two years. God almighty, yeah, that's way yeah, overdue. Yeah, mad. Well, yeah, I have another brother in Dublin, but we haven't seen much of him and I have a sister in Clare. But do you want to so invite we, them? Do you want to invite them as well? They can all bunk well, up together. Well, if go, yeah, it'd be brilliant. I haven't, yeah, a, I haven't a clue what kind of numbers we're talking here, Niamh, but we can try and work it out anyway. I mean, if, if, <laughs> if anything, leave the Dublin people behind. <laughs> Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll put you back oh, on hold and let's see what kind of numbers we have. But enjoy your break. I'll give you a three-night break in Trebogan, all right? Oh, brilliant. Thanks very much, Neil. My pleasure. Like all right, look after Thanks yourself. Million. Take care. Take Bye-bye. care. All right, I think, I, yeah. Um, what, will, I just do, will I just do one and see how we go? I don't have a whole lot of time. Go about maybe two minutes. Sarah? Hey, Neil, how are you? I'm well, thank you. I'm putting you into tomorrow's group. So, But tell me the backstory nonetheless. Go ahead. Oh, um, oh, well, I had nominated my friend Laura, um, she's a student nurse and um, a healthcare assistant, and I suppose I was half hoping that I, I could go with her. Don't <laughs> 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 priest never got a parish? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, look, we're both single moms, geez, and um, God, you hear all those wonderful and touching stories as well. Um, and They are, I mean, actually, it's a lovely thing to be able to revisiting those touching stories that were out of it and that we never go back into it again you know mm-hmm. yeah yeah so it's good to reflect um, I think it is um, like hearing that that girl there Kelly and her our Kate and her wonderful sister um, you know I think that's the experience for a lot of us um, you know sitting with people who you know who unfortunately couldn't have their loved ones around them and was that what Laura um, was doing that's what it, that's what Laura was doing. That's what myself was doing, and I think that's what unfortunately majority of healthcare workers were doing throughout the pandemic. And in what facility were you? Were you were you visiting in the homes, or, or what was it? Um, well, I I work for an agency, but also I was working in Cole Community Hospital and um, in CH as well. But um, I was very lucky in the sense that um, my granny lived in Cole Community Hospital, and um, we hadn't seen her for quite a while. Um, so when they had an op- outbreak, I was able to offer to come in and help with the healthcare assistance, and that gave me the ability to see my granny. And um, Give her a hug, and it was just wonderful. Um, was your granny in past, Cove Hospital? She was. She was in Cove Hospital. I, I, they are absolutely phenomenal. And do you say she passed away there, did she, Sarah? She has passed recently, yeah. Okay. I hope she had a long, yeah. happy life. 
Oh, she did. She really, really did. She was wonderful. But um, I just, I was so grateful to be able to get in with her because like that, I've sat with so many loved ones or people's loved ones that couldn't be in with them. And I mean, that's traumatic for people. And I know that you and Sarah also share something else in common. So, so my apologies, you and Laura share something else in common in both that you're both single parents to children. Isn't that right? And the struggles yeah, that goes with both. that. Uh, you, you call that yeah. an uphill struggle, ongoing basis. It is, it is, it's, it's uphill, you know, it's, 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 <laughs> it's a lot of juggling, I tell you, um, it, it really is. Well, um, nothing, nothing could, could have prepared us for what we went through uh, and nothing could have prepared you or, or Laura for, you know, the emotions that you had to share over the last couple of years with people who are suffering and literally dying in front of you. you know? Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. But can I just say that, you know, for me personally, and I know for Laura that um, it's, it's traumatic, but it's it's very rewarding to be able to sit with someone and, you know, knowing that you've given them their best when they're passing. You know, there's um, but it like that, like that um, girl Kate was just saying, you know, having to see families being turned away and not being allowed to see their loved ones. I know, is just I know, very difficult. Horrendous, Listen, and I think of everyone who had to go through that. You got it. Listen, thanks for taking the call. We'll be picking up on this again tomorrow. So make sure you stay listening. All right. Great, thank you so much. You're welcome, Sarah, and say hi to Laura. Uh, Tomorrow night, actually, there's a Strictly Cove Come Dancing taking place in the Commodore, uh, and I'm part of it, actually. I'm one of the judges of the Strictly Cove Come Dancing. I'll tell you some more about that after the event, but uh, I believe that's a fundraiser uh, for much-needed funds for the Cove Community Hospital that we just referred to there, providing much-needed fantastic service to the town of Cove. That's the kind of thing you would never want to lose in a county town like that, a community hospital. So, therefore, fundraising for the likes of the Cove Community Hospital is really important to keep them open, keep it, keep the access to the public there. Okay, our lines will stay open. You can text 0868104106. Uh, I didn't get to many of the texts this morning, so we'll pick it up in the morning. But do interact. This is your program. Have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to this Red FM podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and check out redextra.ie for more great Red FM content.